This episode is brought to you by Isometric Technologies, ISO, the ultimate freight broker's secret weapon. With ISO, you'll have access to industry-wide service performance benchmarks, dynamic carrier and customer scorecards, and powerful analytics so you can understand your service strengths, address your weaknesses, and differentiate your carrier network from the competition. To learn more and get started, visit iso.io today. Receive $200 off your ticket at Manifest using our link today. We are excited to once again partner with Manifest for their upcoming event, Manifest Vegas, from February 5th to 7th, 2024. Dubbed the world's largest global supply chain and logistics tech gathering, it promises a unique blend of Fortune 500 supply chain executives, fresh startups, and tech pioneers. Be among the 4,500 plus supply chain innovators. And remember, by using our exclusive link, you can save $200 off your ticket. Don't miss out. Welcome to the Freight Caviar Podcast. We are here with... Pavel Boltev, CEO and founder of Logiflex, and some other really cool projects that we're going to get into today. Hear his story. We're here with the founder of Freight Caviar, the one, the only, the tall, Paul Yaroslavsky, and our mechanic man. What an interesting story. Such a smart mind. The one, the only, Christian Gebis. Gebis? Yeah, that Gabby's, yeah. Gabby's, beautiful. <laughs> and myself, Tom Stowinski. Uh, let's get the show started. Yeah. No. You guys want to kick Pavel off with the first question? Yeah, or? yeah let's, let's do it. Cool. Uh, so, Pavel, you grew up in Bulgaria. Yeah. Uh, can you first kind of like get us, you know, to your mindset when you were, you know, born and raised in, I think it was communism back then, right? Yeah. And then coming to America, can you just take us into that, like, that time frame and how it looked like? Yeah. So Bulgaria used to be communist country, and uh, eventually I was I was very young when during actual communism, and when uh, everything broke up, this is when I went started going to school, and uh, you know everything I was I was growing up. But you started going to school like high school when um, communism started breaking 90, up, or uh, in the uh, in 1990 I started mm. first grade. 1990, you started first grade, yeah. okay, and that's when communism was breaking. Breaking. Well, up this in is Bulgaria. when uh, this is when it was breaking for Bulgaria, the the, the old regime. But uh-huh. I mean, the the culture and everything is from the back in the days. So even mm-hmm. if it's not officially communism, the mm-hmm. people and the mentality, you know, moving yeah, forward was like was like that. Yeah. Got it. Uh, mm-hmm. Was like that, and I believe this is for the most of the Eastern European countries. My parents. Yeah, for sure. Like, you know, um, I still remember through. stuff like uh, lines for fuel, lines for briefly. I mean, lines for fuel, uh, lines for bread, uh, empty shelves. I mean, this is what people grew up. But that was normal. By the by the way, that was totally normal. But did you have food at home growing up? Like, well, we hmm. we we had, uh, and we. Because, I was I was fortunate at that time because my truck was uh, my my dad was a truck driver. Oh, okay. Uh, and funny thing, he still tells the story when I was second grade, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's about 1992, Uh He took me to Germany, and we went to to Germany. I was in. We, we went to Berlin, and we went to uh, Düsseldorf. So he, I think it was in Berlin when he took me to a, uh, to a store that similar that Toys R Us was here in the U.S. So we have okay. a store full of toys. We have. They had the escalator. I remember the escalator, uh, <laughs> and for, and he said that you looked amazed because you've never seen something as there was a store with a lot of toys. I mean, we mm. didn't have that. Didn't you, have you that. young you, you were like, oh I my mean, god! I mean, <laughs> and you can imagine, you know, eight nine year old 
boy uh, with uh, eight, nine year old. In, Did you have a beard back then? <laughs> no, I had to go a couple years. Couple okay, years okay. Later. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, a nice beard, by the way. Yeah, thank I'm you. working on that monster <laughs> thank patchy man. You. Thank you. Um, yeah, I got a long so way to go. That, that was, uh, you know, because my, my dad was a truck driver and he was driving outside uh, outside Bulgaria and uh, uh, we were saved during 97, there was hyperinflation in Bulgaria. We were saved because uh, we didn't have any Bulgarian money. The, my dad was used to have Deutsche Marks and uh, this is how he was getting paid Deutsche, Mark, uh, mm -hmm. Deutsche Marks and sometimes dollars. Uh, okay. But this was the time back uh, in in Bulgaria. But do uh, you know what the like currency exchange? What could one dollar buy you back then? Do do you, right. like roughly? Mm, the dollar, yes, actually, the dollar was uh, at the height of the of the inflation. I think one dollar was uh, thirty six hundred leva. I think something Ooh. something like that. That sounds like a lot. And uh, you could, I mean, and nobody knew the prices. I remember we had like a mortgage for my uh, for our house and because of the hyperinflation now the mortgage was let's say was 200,000 levels that's the full mortgage and after some uh, until 1997 uh, we had left to pay I think like 60 70,000 level for of the mortgage of our apartment that we used to live okay and uh, I remember how my mother because of hyperinflation we she had Deutsche marks and she uh, she changed it to buy to buy food and then on the way to the store, she went to the bank, actually paid off the mortgage because there was nothing. Uh, there, there was something. Fifty thousand level was nothing wow. because of the hyperinflation. So inflation. that was like wow. one good thing, maybe. Yeah, a fifty thousand level. Good like if you're 20, making Deutschmarks. If, yes. you make, if uh, you're making foreign currency foreign in that country. Foreign currency, yeah. yeah. Got it. Because the, the actual currency you're making there is worth almost nothing. Now. Almost nothing. Yeah. Uh, and so you're working for free in a way. Kind of. Yeah. Mm. I mean, to put it in perspective, fifty thousand level was like, like less than twenty dollars. Wow, and that was the left, what was left of the mortgage, and yeah. because of hyperinflation. And which, this is like 1992. That's, that's not long ago. Nine, that's that's not long ago. Yeah, that was a great time to be buying apartments, probably in. Uh, yeah, there were a lot of people. It was uh, even better to, uh, if you know how it works, to to get a loan. And there's a lot of uh, in Eastern Europe. A lot of people. They, they call them credit millionaires, where you would uh, pull money, and then when the inflation goes up, it's like Bitcoin kind of. Mm -hmm. uh, but when you you take uh, you you take a loan, mm -hmm. you convert it to real currency, not Bulgarian currency. Uh -huh. and you, you, you you convert it to real currency, and then you keep it, and then the Bitcoin goes up, and then you sell, then you sell, so and then you cover you cover the the loan, which is you know the nominal value of the loan is still in Bulgarian lire, uh -huh. and that's nice if you take money but uh, the other problem is that a lot of people that were uh, had all their savings in Bulgaria and left yeah. the savings disappeared yeah. that is scary yeah. like it to well, bring that home a little yeah. bit say like we have savings yeah say we have savings <laughs> <laughs> and if the world were to go to chaos yeah. like it did 30 years ago in Eastern Europe uh, you just evaporate cool. all the your life I savings give you uh, some insights so I know uh, for my old boss, his friend in Ukraine mm. had a ton of savings in Ukrainian Krivna. You're talking about like one year ago, two years no, ago? No, no, I'm talking about this was 08. In 08, $1 was five Ukrainian Krivna. Okay. And then within like like a month, it mm. went from like one to five to like one to 20. Okay. And what and did that mean to him? Well, mm. the lady, it was a girl, mm. a woman, okay. lost a quarter. Oh, no, not a quarter. She only had a quarter left of all her so she savings. Lost 75% of her savings. Because 
the your currency mm. went from being one to five to one to twenty, one dollar being so. But I mean, that's mm. unfortunately that's why everyone yeah. in Eastern Europe buys dollars. Uh, mm. I mean, even to this day, mm. like my girlfriend's like like dad will mm. go and buy dollars just because he knows the dollars are a lot safer, stabler than stabler. Like, but wow, uh, Paolo, you. You ended up coming to America. Can you kind of tell us what year was that in? Yeah, that I came in 2004. 2004. Okay, so you you went through all this hyperinflation. We went to yeah. hyperinflation. I was I was a child, and uh, again, uh, I was we were my family was safe. Like I have two sisters, so we're mm-hmm. uh, we're bigger family. Yeah. Uh, and because my dad was a truck driver, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, he had he wasn't getting paid from from that currency. Was he driving dry van? Conestoga, <laughs> Conestoga. Conestoga, oh, okay. Europe, Europe, Europe uh-huh. is Conestoga. Technically, okay. yeah, there, there are no drive-ins. That many drive-ins. Yeah, yeah, it's uh-huh. true. Uh, so, so because of that, we and and also was very fortunate. Fortunate uh, with him, he would take me when I was younger. He would take me every summer for summer vacation. He would take me with him somewhere. So I've been to almost most of the countries in Europe with him. Okay. Uh, before awesome. before the age of eight, yeah. 18, you, you visit most of Europe. Yeah, I would mm. like to say that I've been to Leningrad and St. Petersburg because uh, I was six years old when we went mm. and it was used to be called Leningrad. Okay. And then a couple of years later, uh, he took me and it was already St. Petersburg. So we went wow. again and it was St. <laughs> Petersburg. Uh, nice. I've heard that it's like St. Petersburg has a lot of like golden, golden like monuments and architecture. Maybe, can you yeah, talk to me on that? I, I remember very little, very little. I was young, mm-hmm. and also it can be very golden. But I, was, I remember very clearly the truck parking that we were waiting for a long. <laughs> was not very golden. Seems like that's the common theme across the world. Is <laughs> no, truck parking. Truck parking everywhere is not very golden. That, if there's someone out there that can make us safe truck parking, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> figure that out. Have you cool to like kind of see like truck parkings around the world? Mm-hmm. Like have like a photo, like oh, like, like yeah, compares like yeah. That would be cool. <laughs> my dad, my dad used to have those. Uh, he would take a camera very early on, and he would take pictures. I have, I had amazing pictures, and then. His hard drive, he converted to hard drive and his hard drive burnt. He got amazing. He used to uh, go to Iran, to, to wow. Turkey. So he drove with a truck. He drove with a truck. From Bulgaria wow. to Iran. From, yeah. That's to, through Turkey, Syria, through Turkey, Iraq, Iraq. Syria, not that. I don't know if he went to Syria, but he he used to go to Iran, to Afghani- wow. uh, not Afghanistan, but Azerbaijan and Turkmenistan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, people don't realize sometimes, like, I mean, Bulgaria is like not close to those countries, but if you go through Turkey, you're essentially. Turkey is rough. Uh, Turkey yeah. is like. You know the Istanbul, and it's all it's all yeah. nice. But if you go to the uh, eastern side of the eastern side, yeah. there's a big mountains, mountains. and it's very mountainous. It's yeah, I mean yeah. the the earthquake so, last year because uh, yeah. the mountains yeah. moving like the what is it called? Tectonic the, yeah, yeah, tectonic plates. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, oh yeah. so, four. How old were you in two thousand and four? I was uh, twenty years old. Twenty years old. Okay. So, old. How, how was that like? Did you get like a green card? I mean, I guess maybe. Yeah, we, yeah. <laughs> we, <should've been> <laughs> yeah, we just jumped. No, we're like, yeah, <laughs> enough about that. <laughs> yeah. we, we're still in Europeans. Let's let's see how, how we got the green card. <laughs> yeah, yes. um, no. With uh, I was I was still in high school. Uh, I was still in high school when uh, my mother actually won the green card. Okay. And it took us almost two years to get to the inter uh, to the interview. Mm-hmm. Uh, and eventually we got the we got the interview and they gave me the green card and um, I, we got the interview. I think in September or early October. Uh, and I was 20. If I had 20, if I was 21, I would not be on the interview because I was already, you know, too old. Uh, too, too old. Yeah, yeah. So oh, wow. my visa to get into the United States was like from I think from October only to February when it's my birthday. 
Okay. And it was like for four months. And yeah. my sisters had visas for for a year or something because they were younger than okay. me. Mm -hmm. And my mother, uh, my my mother, of course. So I came with a green card from okay. my mother uh, from my mother. Okay. Nice. Okay. Uh, what did that mean for your family? Uh, total change. Total change. I mean, we, was it like your family? Like, oh my God, we're going on an adventure, mm -hmm. or like. With uh, for me was for me was adventure. Uh, mm -hmm. My mother was extremely stressed uh, mm -hmm. because it was a new thing, but she also didn't want to stay there because mm -hmm. of I mean the conditions. At the time, Eastern Europe was not it's not good. it was not good place mm -hmm. to to work. And uh, if you want to build build something, this I learned after I came here. I saw how everything is. Mm -hmm. Eastern Europe is just. It was difficult. Now, it, now things are different. Bulgaria yeah. is very. Uh, Bulgaria is very. Poland, same, same situation. Yeah. Uh, but twenty years ago, it was. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. So you, you you arrive in America, and what like what was your first job or what, what were you doing? I was uh, uh, working in for a very little. I was working a uh, little bit of construction, and then I in Chicago. In right? Chicago, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, I was helping a friend. Uh, I was helping a friend for a couple of weeks, and then. I work in a body shop, car body, sh uh, car body shop. I mm -hmm. started learning how to paint, and um, then I was getting seven dollars an hour. Uh, and then uh, I had an option to start working as an electrician for ten dollars an hour. So, oh my God, it's a lot of money. Let's let's go for. Uh, let's and go this for was it. in two thousand and two thousand and now I came in two thousand four on Thanksgiving, yeah. and then that was in two thousand five. Okay. Okay. Um, and ten dollars was. All the money in the world. I mean, ten dollars mm -hmm. an hour was a lot. Uh, yeah. Minimum wage back then was like seven, right? I think that's what I was trying to think about was how how far ago it was. Um, yeah, I mean that that's, I that was like minimum seven dollars minimum wage back then. Yeah, yeah, and uh, being electrician, I I learned the first time I learned how to wire a house. I mean, that's not it's not that difficult to uh, it's not that difficult to do. Okay, uh, so. My salary actually increased towards the end of the year. It increased. I was making uh, like I don't know, fourteen dollars an hour. Like oh yeah. my god! Heck yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's moving on. Uh, move, moving on. And mm -hmm. uh, I work as electrician for year and a half. I think um, yeah, something like year a year and a half. At the same time, I was going to school to learn English. So I was going here to Harper College, to the okay. community college. Yeah. Harper alum. <laughs> <laughs> I like to say Harvard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Close enough. <laughs> People hear me wrong. So I was uh, going take, taking the DSL, cl DSL classes, and um, I was looking for what I'm going to do uh, after I take the DSL class, like what I exactly I'm mm -hmm. going to do. Uh, keep in mind, there is no guidance. I mean, you come to a country and you have to find on your own. I mean, that was my case, uh, that was my case at least. Um, so I have all the opportunities, which is great, but also it's it's very bad because, like, how do you choose what mm -hmm. what you're gonna do? Yeah. And if when you're 21, obviously you don't know what you're doing. You don't yeah. know. Uh, you're not an adult. I mean, you can't no. make uh, decisions, smart mm -hmm. decisions. It's like it's not happening. It's hard to know what you uh, want to do in life. So I. Uh, I was going into the winter my second towards my second uh, my second year I was going to into winter and uh, I was okay let, let's go get I'll get a CDL and my goal was like I'll get a CDL and I'll continue driving I'll, I'll drive locally and continue continue going to school because I, I wanted to finish school to start having some job so I got it I started driving eventually uh, I drove locally here regional mm -hmm. um, and I started driving the company that hired me uh, I, I got my CDL on Let's say on Friday. I, I I don't know. And next week uh, on Monday, Tuesday, I was driving <laughs> on to the road. 
Columbus, Ohio. Columbus, Ohio. Dude, I sensed it. Yeah, it was okay. This, uh, in the week after, uh, the, so on the following Sunday, uh, I went on my own uh, with a truck to to go to Columbus, to Columbus, Ohio. No GPS, no nothing. Wow. Um, okay. That, and so he was no, just no GPS parts. <laughs> pretty, pretty <laughs> intense. And yeah. keep in mind, at the time, you remember the phone. There was no Google Maps no, or right, anything no, like no, that. Right. So you uh, had the paper paper map, map uh, paper mm-hmm. map. But uh, I'm good with maps. Like my yeah. dad used to when I was traveling in Europe. He used mm-hmm. to teach me uh, how to read maps, how to read streets, and uh, and everything. So that was that was easy. Nice. Um, but on my I think second trip, I went to Cincinnati. And from Cincinnati, I was supposed to pick up something or deliver something in Kentucky. I got pulled over at the way station. No, uh, the, they found out that I don't have any brakes on the on the on the truck, so I had to we had to change the brakes. My logbook was a mess because I didn't know how to do logbook at all. So the duty officer showed me, put me up service. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, so that was my. That's how I learned. You're learning. And that's how I learned. Yeah, and, you learned on the fly. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, Capo. But uh, what was helping me is um, the other drivers from the company. Actually, they helped me. Uh, with with logbook, they taught me how to do logbook. They taught me how to like how to kind of work. Like you stop mm-hmm. for a way station because you have stuff for a way station. <laughs> I mean stuff like this. They don't teach you at the, at least at the driving school that I went to. They didn't tell me that. For, uh, if I can sidetrack a little bit, uh, just for all the brokers and people in in the industry that are interested in how it looks to become a driver, uh, how that's how it was then, like for for your experience. Do you know how it's different now today, or is it the same bet, like boom, go, you're out? I, mm. I don't know how it's not, how, it's how it is today. Because we have, because of our insurance requirements, we need to hire drivers that are at, have at least two years of experience. Mm-hmm. And uh, usually company. drivers, mm-hmm. and don't quote me on that, but uh, they would go to a very large fleet mm-hmm. and they will be making much less money, uh, much mm-hmm. less money. But yeah. this is when they're going to learn all the stuff and they have a training program. Keep in mind, when I was, took my CDO, that was Chicago. Then and they're paying more expensive insurance, those companies. Well, those companies, they have their either self-insured, self-insure, they oh, have yeah. um, umbrella policy. Uh, some umbrella policy, and they were uh, captive insurance, they're in yeah. captive, uh, captive pools. Yeah. So the, the insurance there works, the insurance wor- uh, uh, rules work very different. Okay. And when I was a driver, that was mm-hmm. Chicago, 2005, six. Yeah. I mean, those are, you know, those are the, the years when <laughs> the strong solo Sergey came, came around. The, 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 the solo Sergey came out. The, 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 the white Volvos from Elgro Village yeah. <laughs> came around. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. that, those are the companies back. Uh, those are the companies back then. And, uh, one of the companies I I know I don't know if they're still uh, still around, but uh, Dry was telling me that they would go. He would go to a company and he would be asked uh, how long it's going to take you to go from Chicago to uh, LA. And he to said, to some, uh, Chicago to LA. How many, uh, how many hours do you need to get oh, to LA, LA. Okay. from Chicago? And if someone says anything over 36 hours, then he's not hired. And that's how you would get. Dri- and, and there were a lot of drivers back, uh, back then yeah. because things were, things were different. Sure. Uh, now, What's changed? I've okay. been in the forest. I've been living in the forest for a uh, Well, everything everything changed. Uh, you have more dri- uh, more drivers. Uh, more drivers. Now, more people want uh, more people that want to drive. More people that want to drive today uh, more, than then. I I would assume yes. Okay. Uh, because with uh, driving a truck, especially for for uh, immigrants, mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Like if you think about driving a, uh, driving a truck, if you if you're born in your country, that's that's uh, that's true for every in Europe. It's true for the United States. Uh, you have family, you have some social group that you you go out, they're missing you, and then you have to come back, and that's that's your home. Mm-hmm. If you're an immigrant, you mm-hmm. come to United States. Chances are your family is overseas, uh, overseas so very mm-hmm. very far. So even if you have an apartment, you rent an apartment, that's not really your home. Mm-hmm. And if you're sitting in a truck which has everything that you need, uh, everything you need, pretty much that's your home. So And then you can drive even more. So this is when, uh, at that time, I knew a lot of people coming from, from Europe, uh, and that's how they were starting. They would get a CDL, yeah. and they'll start driving a truck, and eventually a lot of truck drivers, that was in Chicago at least, I don't know how it was outside Chicago. Um, and these people would just be, be driving. They, they would not be coming home because there was nothing to come home. Mm-hmm. And they, they would be drive, drive, drive. They came to make money and do work. They didn't have money, families make, necessarily. The family mm-hmm. was too far yeah. uh, to, to, come, uh, to come back. Mm-hmm. And even if they want to, they have to take a plane, they have to save money. And it's, Understood. It's, yeah. it's different. Mm-hmm. So they would save even on, on paying for a rent because why would you pay a rent for two, two, two nights? Uh, yeah, two nights you just lived, like, lived in living truck, a truck. Right? Living mm-hmm. in a truck so much easier. What, I, I was always curious for the drivers that would do that. What, what do they register as their mailing address? In this case, PO box. There used to be the yeah. one had one apartment that has you know <laughs> uh, 35, 30, 40 people registered to that apartment. Got it. Yeah. Got Usually, it. The apartment displays because it was there was there was a big parking. If you remember it in Elmhurst and uh, okay. Chicago, there was parking with six hundred trucks. So everybody who was, was in that parking used to live in Arlington Heights, Plains, Mount Prospect, here in the area. Sure, that sure. mailbox must have been like flooded with something from Harry Potter <laughs> yeah. scenes. Like, like and the, in the office, the parking was, I think it's Elgrove Village, that parking was Elgrove Village. And the okay. offices of the companies are right on 2 Avenue, there were yeah. a bunch of offices in no, Elgrove. That's very interesting. So you were driving uh, Pablo 06, 07, can you tell us when you finally you were like, okay, let's do something else? I was dri- I was driving, uh, but my so I drove locally for Panera Bread, and then okay. uh, which Panera Bread great com- great company. So with you're their employees. A dr- you're a driver, like that was. I started. I started two driver for Panera. Or? Uh, Panera, they have trucks. They don't they trucks. They have a private fleet. Yeah, they have. They, they, they so you were the directly for them. You're an employee of Panera. I was employee of Panera. Okay. Uh, for a couple of, uh, for a couple of months, and I was paid hourly. Okay. Uh, but then I was okay. This is money is not enough. I need to go over the road. Do you know how? Do you remember how much that was for Panera? Uh, for Panera was eighteen dollars an hour. Eighteen dollars an hour. Okay. Which, Pavel, what did you like about them? So other companies can maybe learn. They take care of their. Uh, so Panera took care of at least for us the drivers and and, mm-hmm. uh, and I believe the rest of the people that work in the in in Panera in the stores. Uh-huh. They're just nice. I mean, for me, it was like nice the culture track. of people. Nice, nice, good mm-hmm. people. Uh, my okay. boss was very good leader at in, in Panera. Mm-hmm. I was twenty two there, then twenty three. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was my. He we had very good support, and he he was he would joke with everyone, but uh, there, there was a line, and then he would he would be very strong a strong leader. So you have to do what what you're supposed to do. So he was, uh, that, that was great. And the other thing that I really liked with Panera is um, the drivers would eat for free in Panera. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that is nice. So nice that's, perk. That's, yeah. that's, that's nice. Good, uh, yeah. LA, so and then, okay, you, you're making the $18 at Panera, but you're like, okay, you need more money, right? I need more money. I wanted to, to, to go more to school. And at okay. the time I was, okay, what, what are they going to do? So my goal was to, 
drive over the road, save ten thousand dollars. That was my goal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I'll stop driving over the road. I'll start driving local, locally, and then I'll go. I have more money to go to to to, to go to school. And uh, I start driving over the road, and that. I mean, I saved, but I uh, I, I drove for two years, two and two and something something years. So I was saving my, uh, I was saving my money. I just didn't. I was taking online classes at the time. That was very difficult. But Harper was. I was able to take him from uh, from, from Harper College. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then I stopped. That, that I was doing this only the first year. But you can't be strong solo and uh, take online classes. Yeah. Very, that's very <laughs> not, not easy, you're yeah. saying. No, that's not easy. So I uh-huh. had to drop the the the, the, the classes. Uh-huh. Um, and then I just out of curiosity, what was like what uh, direction did you want to study towards or into? I wanted to go into. Uh, more technical stuff. Technology? Techno- technology. Or, okay, technology. More, techn- more technology. Okay, which leads nicely into what you're doing today with Yes, I, I have... But, I guess, but like, we'll go into... Yeah, in a, in, in, a, in mm-hmm. a different life, I would mm-hmm. have been an engineer. I would okay. not be that. I would be... Like a coding engineer, a computer a, Any type of any engineer. Some, okay. some, some, some type of engineer. That I would, Interesting. That's what I would be. That's cool. But so it happened that I, I'm in trucking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> You're doing pretty well off. Hmm? Yeah, you're doing pretty well off, and how you are now. So it's, you know, trucking is, it, it's a long line to see if you're well off. I mean, That's true. You have good days and you have really bad That's days, true. and you can't. But ever since I met you, I, I I felt that you had that engineering type of or technical type of mindset. At least that's why I it's, felt like I, I feel more. At home that's why you guys have that. I, I feel like right away I felt like huge rapport between you yeah. guys because yeah. I think both of you guys have that in you that and the engineer's soul. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's kind of like more technical. Yes. Yeah, yeah, sure. So I was talking to uh, who's the guy who has the application on uh, for doing the compliance that we connected. He was with he was working with you at LoadSmart when he was at LoadSmart. Hunter. Hunter. Uh, Hunter. Hunter. Yeah, Hunter. Uh, when I talked to him, he the introduction he gave me to you, Pavel, was like if Pavel was was born in if he was born in America, he would have gone to MIT. Wow. Like that's how hard like Hunter like, like, see for sure. <laughs> yeah. 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 Which is like, you know, it's fascinating. And you, you came in here and, and so you were you're driving over the road. And then I'm I'm curious like when did the whole idea behind Logiflex and like you wanting I, to open yeah, your own company I, start? I, I drove over the uh, over the road and which is which is fine to make money, but eventually oh. uh, but eventually uh, I I, I want something, some, some, mm. something else because driving is. My dad was a truck driver and he was supporting my, my uh, you know, my yeah. family, which is, which is great. But then, driving is driving to driving, and I wanted to do yeah. something, uh, uh, something more because uh, my life wouldn't be different if I'm driving at 20 years old or 40 years old. It's like still driving, still same truck. So, mm-hmm. trucks will get better and better, uh, newer. But that's that's about it. So I wanted to grow. You're uh, saying truck stops aren't going to get better? <laughs> or <laughs> they, 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 they got much better than what I was. Oh, they did get better, they yeah? They did get, uh, okay, uh, they, they are better. I, I think mean, that's how we should measure how well a country's economy is doing. Back in the days were the dirtiest truck stops. And now uh-huh. I, uh, when, I, when I'm out and I stop at here, Petro, with my car, yeah. uh, I, I stop on purpose just to see what's, what's up. And... They're very nice uh, on the on the inside. Okay. Uh, I mean, okay. they're they're very clean, very That's good. very nice. That's good. Oh. Yeah, conditions have improved for sure. Oh, yeah. And that means the economy is going up. <laughs> yeah. If if my measurement I, is. I don't know if you can. If my measurement, yeah, I'm not the technical guy. Not fully. So my hypothesis. Logiflex. 
So back to log, uh, yeah. back to Logiflex. I wanted to start something, so I bought my truck in 2010. Okay. Um, my first truck. It was a very sweet deal. I had to put 25% down. Yeah. Uh, I bought it from from Volvo uh, from Volvo from Michigan. Okay. Uh, I had to put 25% down because that was my first truck. Yeah. And I had good credit, and I couldn't understand why they're giving me 16% interest. That was Volvo Financial gave me 16 16% interest. And you took it. And I took it. There's no op- there's no other option. Oh. And that was in 2010, I guess. And, okay. Uh, so they were very, they were. That was after the financial. Uh, yeah, financial. and at the time I was very angry with them. Uh, I <laughs> didn't have any other option, so I took uh, I sure, took that sure. option. And I was oh my gosh, how come you guys? Uh, why don't you trust me that I'll be paying my truck and uh, yeah. and all that? So it, I I got the truck. Um, I drove for with rented trailer for for two months, and then I bought uh, my reefer. And I couldn't finance the refer even at sixteen percent. I just couldn't finance. There was, I think, there was an offer for financing that I would. The refer was twenty thousand dollars, twenty two thousand dollars, and then I would finance it for three four years, and then I would repay like thirty five forty thousand dollars. Just something ridiculous. Mm. Yeah. So it's okay. This doesn't work out. Uh, so I use, uh, I borrow money from friends, and mm. I use, uh, I almost max out all my credit cards you except one. Mm. I paid cash for it. Um, and then I started started driving, uh, and I would I would use my credit card for fuel. Uh, and then when you max out your credit card uh, for to buy a trailer, the bank doesn't know. So mm-hmm. I would pay two thousand dollars towards the credit card with my paycheck, and then to lower my credit limits uh, with two thousand dollars. So I still don't have money on the credit card to use for wow. fuel. Wow, true entrepreneur mindset. Yeah, really, like just uh, figuring out a way to make it work. Uh, mm-hmm. And I paid off the uh, I paid off all the loans and I paid off all the credit cards in a, couple, a matter of a couple of months. I mean, because again, I was, you went to work right after. Uh, right? I mean, you have to work. Mm-hmm. And um, then I had the opportunity here to uh, opportunity. I met my wife, and uh, it kind of accelerated the fact that I wanted. I bought my truck, so I started a trucking company. But the first, I wanted to pay it off and to, mm-hmm. to do something with it. Uh, but then my, I met my wife, and uh, she I paid off my refer. But she was like, okay, we. You gave up your reefer? Uh, no, I didn't pay no, it off. I paid off. Oh, paid off I paid off, okay. paid off the reefer. Sorry, I was able to, you know, I had less payments, so, so I would make yeah. more money. But at the same time, in order for me to make money, I had to go drive, and I was. Sure. She was not my wife at the time. Uh, but uh, we started uh, seeing, seeing each other, and I really that pushed me to find someone, a, a driver. So it happened that. A uh, very old friend of mine from Bulgaria, he was looking for a job and I was okay, drive my truck for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, w- I got a day cab that I was thinking that I would do containers here in Chicago locally. Mm-hmm. And then I'll build up. So I got the day cab, I, dr- I did containers for two, for two days. Uh, and it was very difficult. I didn't know how to do it. It, 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 was, it was weird. So I uh, took the container, a container started driving locally with, uh, uh, took the day cap and I was driving locally for, for a little bit, for a little bit, but eventually I stopped and I, um, I in that moment I started uh, going through registering the company, getting insurance, that, that's a long process, uh, that's mm-hmm. a long process. Uh, so eventually I registered the company and I started looking for my trucks through my, co- uh, through my company. Yeah. And then I moved my, uh, my over the road truck from the company that was driving to my company, I started dispatching, and uh, I had next step. Yeah. Were you booking your own loads before too? Uh, uh, I was not booking my own loads. Before. So you were an owner operator beforehand. On before and then I I, okay. ha- I started my trucking company. Okay. With my with my trucks and I had 
two trucks, my trucks, two yeah, two 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 my trucks that I was finding loads uh, for. Mm -hmm. Uh, then, and then you had two of your friends uh, from Bulgaria as your first two drivers. Um, no, I found another dri driver okay. at the time. Cool. Um, and then I had friends that we used to drive trucks together. They were all mm -hmm. operators. They were okay. I'm gonna come drive for your company because I know you. You're gonna find me loads and, and so forth. So, in in a matter of a couple of months, I, I grew the company. I mean, I had about seven or eight drivers for me. Seven or eight trucks, all operators, okay. all operators uh, driving for me. People trusted you. Uh, yeah, and uh, I hope that they were making money. I think they were making money at the time. <laughs> uh, and uh, so this is how uh, this is how I started. And eventually, I started buying trucks. I started uh, uh, getting uh, getting drivers, and uh, we, that's how the and company grew. Starts growing. And you were doing those first loads with reefer loads. First load, uh, first loads were predominantly reefer. I barely mm -hmm. did any drive-in. Okay. Um, but when I had to buy more trucks, I had to buy driving because it was, cheap, uh, it was cheaper, and mm -hmm. I had opportunity to buy cheaper driving. Okay. Um, and I, we started doing a little bit of a little bit of driving. Uh -huh. uh, but predominantly, I did reefer, and then I was. What, what year was it when you were doing the reefer? Reefer. Well, 2010, 11, 2012. Okay, so those those years. Okay. And at those years, I mean, we had Salinas, Boston. For three days, no problem. Mm. I mean, those were those were the those were the, <laughs> Salinas those were the to Boston. So Salinas, California, the Boston the, Mass. That's where you were running. Uh, not me, but, uh, but, the, yeah, uh, yeah. but so you, you yeah. employed strong solo Sergeys back. So then. strong solo Ser uh, Sergeys back back mm -hmm. then. Those were those were the those were. I mean, this That's is how the run. things were. <laughs> That's a run. Uh, this is how things were uh, were working. Um, but then eventually things started 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 cha uh, changing. We. Uh, started doing hazmat. We started doing. We started going to Canada. I experimented with step deck uh, with flat and flatbed, and that was working somewhat okay. But uh, at the time, uh, we had 22 trucks, 23 trucks. Then I started getting team. That is, you know, because mm -hmm. I can't do 20. One person cannot do it. This is when uh, now now he's my partner. Mike uh, joined in 2000, uh, 2012, and he was really helping with growing the company since, since mm -hmm. then. Uh, we experimented with flatbeds. Uh, flatbeds is great, but at the time we had more reefers and, and drive-ins. And for flatbeds, it's important to have a separate dispatcher, just separate separate operation for flatbeds. You can't mm -hmm. have one person look for drive-in, reefer, and flatbeds. It's just difficult to learn sure. the market. It's, it, it, the rates are just too crazy, and the yeah. human mind can't. I mean, dispa dispatcher's job is uh, yeah. Difficult. I mean, there's I'm divisions not, at yeah. most brokerages: the flatbed division, the reefer the team. The, Better to know. be focused on one mm -hmm. thing. Mm -hmm. um, and then we experiment with step decks. We did for a little bit, and then we stopped. Uh, we stopped step deck flatbeds. Uh, we were going to Canada. That was that was working out well. We did refers to. That's incredible. You guys have did it all, like literally. Uh, you guys yeah, to tried everything, right? And Canada was very exciting because I mean, mm -hmm. we were in. I knew the United States. I traveled mm -hmm. United States. Um, and then it was like Canada. I had dreams at the time that we take with a truck all the way to Europe, all the way to Asia. I mean, oh, wow. and then I wake up. It's like there is no land to go there. But yeah. my dreams. There was <laughs> not anymore. Back in the day, from, maybe <laughs> from 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 Chicago to Europe. It was <laughs> there. There was a way. Yeah. Um, well, I there isn't there over Alaska to Russia and the, the, there's a, a ice trucker path that you can I, technically I take. Freezes. I don't. I don't. I don't know. It used I, to freeze. I, I know that there I used to be enough really? ice there at one uh, point. I, I, maybe I don't know. But I like, mean, I, long, long time sure ago, for sure. Something. That's how yeah, people yeah. crossed into North yeah, America. Yeah. At least, like what yeah, yeah. history says. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm curious still, Pablo, about the hazmat a little bit because I know yeah. when I was a broker, we used to use Logiflex a lot for hazmat. Mm -hmm. So can you tell us, okay, like 
becoming a hazmat carrier, there's a lot of nuances and hazmat, regulations, uh, I'm guessing? Absolutely. There are regulations. The, the, it's very easy to get a hazmat permit. It's that's, easy. That, that's, okay. I mean, it's easy. You have to have the insurance, but those yeah. are documents and paperwork that you can, you can really do. Okay. And then on top of that, you have to learn what hazmat is. You need to learn what are the classes, which is also something that you can, you can learn. Yeah. What the difficult piece with hazmat is, and when you need a carrier that has hazmat experience, is um, like with any loads, with hazmats, there are problems with hazmats as well. And the thing mm -hmm. is with hazmat is the problems are bigger. Yeah. It's one thing mm -hmm. to, if, uh, because on the road things change, either load shifts, there are accidents, I mean, things, uh, things happen. What's or the biggest problem that you have? I mean, it, it could uh, explode. We, or we can, uh, it can explode, if yeah. it's, if, depending on the hazmat. Um, we don't, uh, the exploding hazmats are class one. We don't do that class okay. one. <laughs> this is where you have uh, explosives lines. and, uh, you know, the fireworks okay. and, uh, and bullets Dangerous and uh, ammo. And yeah, th those are class one and class seven is radioactive. This, this also we don't do because, okay. you know, that's, yeah. a, that's a separate, separate thing. But for hazmat, um, you need to know what to do with problems. You need to be registered with agencies when if something happens, unfortunately it will happen, then, um, it will something uh, you know how to deal with it and how to communicate with the broker to protect the broker and to protect the customer because and then if the environment right you and the, and the, uh, absolutely for example we've had a uh, load an accident where we spilled uh, uh, sulfuric acid mm -hmm. and I learned oh, I'm sorry what sulfur, sulfur, uh, sulfuric, sulfuric acid, acid. yeah. Okay. And sulfuric acid is very cro uh, extremely corrosive. Cro so we spilled it into the ground. Luckily, there was no, 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 nothing else. River, no river or anything. <laughs> it was Texas. Okay. And uh, we spent thirty thousand dollars for cleaning. So what? what How much? Thirty thousand. Thirty thousand dollars. Yeah, for cleaning. And cleaning. So, cleaning so you you took the trailer or the you took the truck and trailer to facility where they. No, 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 no. This is no. cleaning only the ground. Clean the ground. Okay, so you clean, okay, so you spill it, and you talk to an agency or something like that. Yeah. And, okay. And we have to, uh, and, but we need to know to, this, to do these things. So otherwise, sure. everything is gonna go gonna go to the to the broker, and it's gonna go to the sh to the shipper ultimately if yeah. the if the carrier is not proper right. if the carrier doesn't okay. doesn't do it. So we uh, the funny thing is, uh, sulfuric acid is dirt cheap. Like uh, I didn't know it's cheaper than water actually. What? It, it's very cheap. I, at the time. Um, one tote with 250 gallon, uh, gallons of sulfuric acid was $97 was the sulfuric acid that was inside the tote. Okay. And if you, if you buy the tote and the sulfuric acid, it was like 200 bucks. Like almost the tote was more expensive than okay. what wow. is the material inside. This question is going to be very like naive, but what, what kind of, do you guys know what you can use sulfuric acid? Batteries. Like batteries is what it's used? Batteries like and some mm -hmm. in the chemical industry, I guess. Uh, I, guess. Okay. I mean, it's, uh, mm -hmm. it's acid, so whatever it needs acid, uh, acid that's... Acid. Mm -hmm. Okay. <clears throat> I hope it's not in my food. Yeah, we, no, we don't move. think so. <laughs> mm, I would. <laughs> no. Yeah, yeah, Actually, no, 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 no. It's hard to say nowadays. Now, uh, you know about Coca-Cola, how well it can remove rust? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the concentrate actually for uh, food flavoring, uh, mm. there's some food flavoring that considered uh, uh, hazmat. And we actually have Damn. moved uh, products for food products that are acid, that are for hazmat. Yeah, for, I mean. Okay. The big names you can, the biggest names in food. That's mm -hmm. the. I mean, this part of part of. I yeah. guess you know when it's very concentrated. Mm -hmm. like, that's how it is. So okay. Um, I mean, vinegar is acid, and we put yeah. it in salt. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And if it's uh, higher, uh, higher percentage of vinegar, that is, in Germany they they, they sell that's like eighty yeah, per, eighty percent eighty percent vinegar or something that you use mm -hmm. only for cleaning, not for salt. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, 
Okay. I'm trying to look so, up and see like what, what type of products have Sofagras, but go ahead. Um, so Pablo, you you had the hazmat uh, and the Stepex flatbeds. You said that the Stepex and flatbeds didn't... Uh, I was a smaller company and yeah. I could not hire a dispatcher just to focus on this. Okay. So we, it's, for me it was easier to just focus on band research. So you, you got rid of that? Uh, you got rid of the the step deck. Got, got rid of the step deck. Okay, and Canada still being serviced. Canada, or? Canada, we did Canada, and then eventually um, the freight in the United States was easier. And Canada changed the law, so when you, when you enter Canada, you have to do this whole bunch of paperwork at the time. That yeah. and the website was not working, so we stopped. And and if you don't clean uh, clear the bills for for cust uh, for customs yeah. before the truck gets there, there was a fine like one thousand, two thousand dollars. And, but their website where that clears the bills was not working. So <laughs> hey guys, what do we do? <laughs> uh, so eventually we stopped. Do, uh, we stopped doing it because of there was way too much paper for what is what is worth. Mm -hmm. uh, and we, so that's why we stopped going to uh, going to Canada. And the freight in the United States was picking up at the time. That was okay. we were going to Canada in 2016, and then okay. I mean, you saw more opportunity in the U.S. Yeah. market. And yeah, that the was U.S. market was just 2017 was like the. I know 2017 was really hot. 2018 was amazing. Yeah. 2019 was pretty bad, and then 2020 was bad until the pandemic. Yeah. yeah. That's how it was. And so, I think. Yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. No, no, that, that's. Okay. So, uh, and then now, okay. So that was, I guess, 2017. You started focusing on the U.S. market. Can you tell us a little bit from 2017 till now? What were you working on? What, what other projects? I know there's some. There's some technology. Yeah. Software, all that stuff. 2017, I uh, started. Uh, so, 2017, I started TMS, but I want to explain why, why I started. In 2014, earlier, we actually uh, uh, got Omni tracks at the, uh, at the time and we started doing key, uh, We started putting EODs on all the trucks. You got Omni tracks. Omni tracks. Uh, Omni tracks. At the time, it was mm -hmm. even called Qualcomm, I think. I, I, I had Qualcomm. Qualcomm device. And this is an ELD. ELD. Company. Uh, ELD. Mm -hmm. Well, the, the first original ELD uh, company is Qual uh, it's Qualcomm. Really? Okay. The one that makes the Apple chips? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Oh. yeah. You can look them up. They actually started, uh, they were hired by, I think, Schneider, one of the big, uh, one of the okay. big guys, to create a tracking system for trucks. Okay. And then they, they, they built it, but then they had all these patents and they started going into, I mean, in our phones. It's predominantly Qualcomm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, wow. that's why all the big carriers they they say uh, to their drivers like check your Qualcomm or something like that because that's where Qualcomm was the verb. Like, that was the word. It. It was okay. Like, wow. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Okay. Um, that's fascinating. So we started uh, started doing this, uh, doing this. Uh, no more strong solos. Strong solos were for uh, early for, for the reefer for yeah. the reefer. The golden age ended. Golden age ended. But I wanted to uh, to get into. Uh, EODs. I wanted yeah. everything to be properly organized because that's the that's the right way to do it. Sure. I mean, if you if you build a business based on based on cheating, because strong souls is, che is cheating pretty much. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I mean, that's how the industry wa was at the mm -hmm. time. That's how you would make uh, you would make money. Uh, but, but it was also a little bit higher risk. That was too much. That high risk, high reward. Uh, in a way, for the drivers, but mm -hmm. uh, if you draw a line it's like is it really worth it and it's yeah. not safe it's like cheating you know it's like it is it is cheating and you yeah. can't you can't build business i mean it's it's dangerous if something happens it's a short-term mindset yeah that's short short term and i didn't like that uh, so i got in 2014 we started doing key of this and originally we saw a pattern for drivers but because we were now we have gps now we have their eod that they have to keep uh, EOD, uh, keep the eod in in the office we constantly checking with the drivers 
and we saw a pattern where if a driver does certain things, eventually gets to an accident. Mm. Uh, and I was thinking, okay, how, how can, I, I want to have an alert, because we had one driver, for example, uh, with EOD and everything, and then he drove under a bridge, and then he, he crashed the trailer in two, and completely demolished the trailer. It, had, it was loaded with paper. And I looked at it and was like, he was going on a street that is nothing to do with, your, uh, with his load, mm-hmm. in a time when he's supposed to take a break, and he was driving uh, 40, 50 miles an hour on the street that the speed limit was like 35, 40, 40. Yeah. And he went under a bridge. So I started examining in the back to see what led to, the, led to this, and I saw a pattern. Then I started looking at other drivers that, um, I, when you're dispatching drivers, you start, start feeling which are the good guys, and mm-hmm. you start having feeling about the, the, the bad people that should not, be, uh, should not be driving. And I thought that we can do something technology that can like, alert me if something is doing one of these fraudulent behaviors. Mm-hmm. Another thing was drivers that would uh, stop on couple tr- uh, stop too often uh, stop too often. Okay. Uh, mm-hmm. Without without any, I mean, you have a load that's two thousand miles. Why would mm-hmm. you stop every thirty minutes? At some something's some point? a little bit something is off. That's interesting. Like very fascinating for those drivers. Like, mm-hmm. what was typically the reason for them stopping so often? They just had to go pee, or what was it? Uh, no, I can tell you that mm-hmm. some of the guys that we caught, uh, yeah. uh, like the guy that I was telling you that he demolished the trailer, uh, we found crack uh, crack inside his uh, oh. inside his truck okay. after so we drugs. Uh, mm-hmm. There was predominantly we found drivers that are doing drugs. Mm-hmm. Uh, the guy that crashed the trailer, we after accident you have to send driver for drug test. Mm-hmm. The guy just took off with the truck and just we chased, disappeared. Right? We we, cha- we were chasing him with poli- uh, with police because I mean mm-hmm. it's like. We don't Trucking know what, what is such an that. adventure, man. The, are you talking about the accident that happened in Utah? No, 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 no. not the Utah. That okay. was back in the days. That was in There's 2015 or okay, something. Okay, okay. Wow. So He's talking about the driver that demolished the trailer. Demolished the, the trailer that, okay. with the, with the, uh, that I was started actually made me look into the EOD data and got how, it, got how it, it works. Okay, okay. Uh, and eventually, driver said, "Hey, I'm sorry, but I I'm, I did uh, I you know I got marijuana and that's how it is." So when we took the truck, we saw in the back there he had crack. Um, and wow. it, it was it was bad. Uh, and then we had other drivers that we would see, and they would go truck stop to truck stop. So we had one more guy that was going like this truck stop to truck stop, and mm-hmm. then we put him out of, out of the truck. And when we when we recovered the truck, mm-hmm. there was still the same thing cracked. I mean, Volvo has one drawer that is very uh, for some reason it, they were using that drawer in Volvo yeah. mm-hmm. in in the Volvo inside. What, okay, what, so the you magic start drawer. You started noticing this pattern. When certain behaviors started coming up, you started noticing that oftentimes these were the drivers that eventually led to something bad happening. Yeah. And so you're like, maybe I can think of something that could help me uh, yeah. catch these types of people faster and have either a conversation or um, probably... What year was this? Oh, let them go. Uh, yeah. That was uh, that was through 2016, 2017. That was like that right, at the, right at the implementation of the ELD mandate, right? Or was oh, that by then I already had ELDs. I had the yeah. two. Right, that's what I was going to say. You had them before the mandate. 2015, we started mm-hmm. seeing that pattern. Yeah. 2016, I mean, started right. started seeing so it. The mandate was like, I think, end of 2017, uh, somewhere. That's when it was. End of November? Was it end of 2017? I think it was 2016. No, it was 2017. I remember 
remember all the. Yeah, I remember that day that it happened. But even before that, you had to get pretty serious about implementing it. Um, I did yeah. it on my own. I mean, mm -hmm. that I was not supposed to put uh, you know, this in the trick, but I did it because mm -hmm. I wanted to keep track. And yeah. I was weird for uh, for a small company that. Uh, uh, that you kind of, I, I imagine you kind of viewed it as, hey, it's just gonna maybe cost me a little bit less stress if I just do it the right it way. It was costing me less stress. I was very stressed yeah. out about uh, EODs. I mean, not mm -hmm. not the EODs, but. Uh, are the drivers doing their logbooks properly? Yeah, For me, yeah, that yeah. was very stre stressful. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking if I have the EOD, then... Give you some I'm more fine. peace of mind. Yeah, yeah. peace of mind. Yeah. Okay. And most of your drivers are company drivers? Do you know like, the split? Uh, it's 50-50. 50-50? Okay. 50 -50. So like, I'm guessing, well, with an owner-operator, you don't have to worry about them from a point of view like... It's their truck, so they're not gonna go. I and don't have to worry for maintenance, but I have to worry for about the service. Yeah, yeah. For, yeah. But like with the company drivers, that's where I guess you know they could destroy a the truck. They and could. more often, you have trouble with the company drivers because owner ops usually are more. Would it be crazy to say that owner ops are usually more responsible uh, than company drivers uh, when it comes to the crack cocaine type thing? Crack cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> we had owner operators with. Crack cocaine, really? but we had to let go too. Okay. Wow. So uh, is crack cocaine like a popular choice of drug? I guess. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, crack cocaine and marijuana is like are, oh. are, are big. I can understand. I, I mean, I'm, I don't know how crack works too much, but I, I imagine it's a cocaine that it stimulates you, like a shit ton of Red Bulls or something. Well, uh, it's like mm. they take cocaine and then mm. yeah, I think you like... Oh, uh, it's just chemically. low quality. You smoke it uh. and it's like, let's say cocaine is like, like mild, like in the sense like it's kind of like, you know, like... The, the jump isn't that big, mm. whereas crack cocaine is a huge jump of like dopamine, and, and, then you, and you're not down. sleeping for three days. You, you, I'm guessing. I, I mean, people that like smoke crack usually go crazy, like mentally. They're just like yeah. the, the dopamine mm. like surge is just un incapable of like okay. being processed. It just, it just okay. messes up your whole brain. So okay, that's interesting. But marijuana is like a more calming drug. No, I mean it's arguable. Like it's arguable. Not if whether, you smoke no, no, crack. What's yeah. arguable is like whether taking this. I mean, mm. you you take the drug. You should not be taking uh, uh, operating heavy machinery Correct. and uh, taking any type of drug. Is yeah. I mean, even they, they it's go, not responsible they and it's not safe. Dayco, yeah, it's not illegal. You know, you can, you can go buy it, but don't buy don't buy Nyco, not Dayco. Yeah. Yeah. Don't buy Nyco and go drive a truck. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. I've read something that like uh, driving sleepy, like very tired is way more dangerous than driving actually after a couple be of beers. I think there's um, a statistic that yeah, supports that. Yeah, there's, yeah like I've that. seen some of that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know, I can drink one, one beer and I wouldn't trust myself with driving, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, back on the topic of, I guess, Logiflex yeah. uh, and, and the TMS. So you, you essentially, you saw a good fit to build I, some technology. I, at the time, I was uh, also I learned about what machine learning is, and I thought that we were going to deploy machine learning, and we're going to pull all this data, and we're going to uh, make, make these triggers for safety triggers. But the TMS at the time uh, that I was using at the time did not have any API connection. I could not pull data from different sources. So this is when um, I have a friend from Bulgaria who is very good uh, in IT, and then we started talking. She's like, "I'm looking for a project. I don't know what project I can get." And I was okay. I have a project. <laughs> yeah, let's start, uh, start looking. This is. Uh, I love how you said that, Pablo. Uh, okay. This is when we started Cameo, uh, uh, and we yeah. started building a T uh, started building a TMS, and with that TMS. Uh, first of all, I, I do not know anything about technology, and it's not about coding, uh, just coding. When you build a, a software company, you need to have processes, you need to have testing, you need to have, I mean, a lot of Product things. definition, uh, what is this going to do? Yeah, who is the customer, how are you going to sell, how are you going to do, uh, how are you going to support it technically, how are you going to hire people to okay. actually build it? I mean, th there are a lot of questions that we, we didn't know, we just, start, sure. uh, we just started. And eventually, we started building, uh, building it. We 
um, we deviated from original ideas a couple, couple times, uh, and then in 2019, I think, uh, beginning of 2019, the guy that I started with, he was like, okay, he wants to focus on different project, not on the TMA. So at the time, we had a small team, a small team, and I kept the team for came with with Camion, and we continued developing uh, developing Camion and grow, uh, uh, we, we, TMS. It's a very complex thing to to build from uh, from from ground up. Uh, we continued uh, uh, building it, and my friend he focused on something, another project that he really had passion for, and mm. I, um, and that. But you guys continued that, and you built. You ended up building this. Uh, yeah, I continued. Uh, mm. Continued with the the IT team, uh, and during the pandemic, uh, after the pandemic, there was okay. We we're almost about ready to go to market, um, and this is when Losmar came in, and this is how I met Hunter, uh, how I met Hunter, yeah. and eventually. Uh, to give me to, to give me an offer, and at the time I thought that's the best thing to you know. To, that's awesome. To so the, you freaking built company. a product and you sold it, kind of with a team. Yeah, that's yeah. cool. Um, learning experience on that, like, is oh, it, there's so much, so many learning experiences, it, like yeah. so much. Uh, yeah. I. So you're saying if you have an idea and you feel the passion for it, maybe go, go for it. For it. Um, mm -hmm. My thing is if you if you're thinking you work somewhere or, or you want and, and you you work for someone, which mm. is which is fine. Uh, but you, in back in your mind, you want to start your own business. Mm. I would suggest that always quit at the moment if you can afford it. If you can mm. afford it, and go start your business. Don't wait till tomorrow. Don't wait till next year. Don't mm. wait until this happens, and then I'm gonna start my business. Mm. Just start as soon as, po as, soon as possible. Because mm. no matter what time, it's always gonna be the same amount of difficulty when you start and you're yeah. like you lost. The sooner the better. You'll yeah. never you be ready more. to start a new business yeah. Yeah. unless exactly. you know. You sell a couple, a couple of numerous businesses. Well, yeah, but you'll never exactly be ready to start your first enough. business. Yeah, yeah. yeah. but your first business so, don't don't delay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that was in 2021. Lowsmart came, uh, acquired 20, Camion. 2020, 2020. 2020. So middle pandemic, Hunter came. Yeah. Acquired Lowsmart got acquired Camion, Camion, and then what what was what was your main focus afterwards? Uh, afterwards, uh, I focused on. Uh, I mean, I had. I, I did not have Camion anymore. Uh, yeah. anymore. So we did. Uh, we did trucking. We uh, got a terminal in Houston. We had a terminal in in, uh, in Gary. Um, we don't have a terminal in Gary. In, uh, Gary okay. But at the time, this is what we, that this is what we're doing. In the meantime, I was looking for other tech tech things that are not interfering with my load smart, uh, you know, with Camion and what TMS is because mm -hmm. I obviously can't work on that. Um, and uh, we, I met, uh, I met uh, through mutual friends. I met now the co-founders of per uh, of Perus, Emilia and Jeff, uh, and eventually co-founders of who? Perus. Perus, the one of the startups that I'm investing in that is okay. document uh, document. Um, Automation, document, uh, audit, automation, pr uh, okay. pretty much. Uh, so I met with them, and we were talking. We were talking about where machine learning is at uh, at the moment, about when it comes to text and documents. Mm -hmm. And I'm interested in this. I was, uh, and I was thinking, okay, why not? Let's let's see if we can do audits for my documents, and we can extract data from uh, my document, uh, my documents that mm -hmm. I have. So we started working. I started working with experimenting in what was 2021. We we just did some some experiments with documents mm -hmm. and they were very successful experiments about uh, including machine learning and how we can organize documents. And in 2022, actually, we started building seriously. We started building um, um, the Perus company, the the, the Perus product that is okay. uh, that right now is doing uh, 
like a lots and lots of documents per month, hundreds okay. of thousands of documents per, uh, uh, per month. And this is peruse, P-E-R-U-Z? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Does um, peruse mean anything in... Yes, yeah, perusing a text. Okay, okay. Perusing oh, a text. Yeah, mm. What is it? Per perusing, like perusing documents or perusing okay. text or something. Okay. That's kind of uh, you were an investor, probably. Yeah, okay. and co-founder. Co co okay, very cool. Yeah. So. You worked on that, and you're still working on that yeah, right now, working. To, to this day? Yeah. Okay, and then you got rid of the Gary Indiana ter terminal. I got rid of Gary Indiana terminal that's on the trucking site, and I yeah. have great help of Mike, who is running pretty much the trucking, co the trucking okay. company. And you're uh, focused mostly now on dredge? Uh, and now the trucking company is focusing on uh, focusing on dredge, yes. Okay. So we moved the transition, uh, to transition, and there are many different things why I'm focusing on dredge. My, um, we, we saw the 2021 how there was even bigger sh shortage of drivers or mm -hmm. the driver salaries went through the roof, which is yeah. drivers, we need to appreciate drivers, uh, but at some point you, you it's not sustainable to pay something that is that it's not sustainable in the long run. Because I mean, you can't operate the business, right? You can't operate then, the business and it's like... And then when the market no jobs, is high, right? When the market mm -hmm. is high, it's easy to pay a lot, but when mm -hmm. the market goes down, mm -hmm. like how do you lower the salary for, some, uh, for it, someone? It's it just, very hard it, to lower the salary. Right? So mm -hmm. recently there's like this point of contention about this whole driver shortage problem, at least on the... On the what's being talked about on the internet, like was that a problem that was induced by the American Trucking Association? I don't believe that's a uh, driver shortage problem. There, okay. there, there is, I, I don't, I don't think so. I think this is just as explanation. Oh my God, driver shortage because uh, it's easy to say driver shortage problem. It's easy to talk about problems. Oh my God, that's just problems. Um, it's difficult to find people to work for the position that you have. That's a different story. But you can have, you can call it uh, workhouse worker uh, shortage problem. Uh, okay. Mechanics, How'd you uh, say that? Workhouse workers uh, shortage problem. Warehouse workers uh, you can shortage have problem. Mechanics mm. uh, shortage yeah. problem. You can uh -huh. have construction workers shortage problem. Say, so be more specific about the actual problem you're saying. Uh, I mm. think uh, the problem is what kind of work do you do? do, you do and quality. Uh, qu what quality work do you, and what kind of mm. person you're looking to start coming working for you? Not and just the pay as a driver. Mm. Just the driver trucking companies are loud and it's easy to say oh driver, uh, let's let's mm -hmm. agree with everybody because there's a trucking short uh truck mm -hmm. shortage that's uh, that's not the case um so what uh, what i think in terms of the trucking where the problem the problem is if you think about the profile of a truck driver that's usually 45 50 year old male or female now a lot yeah. of women start start dri driving trucks uh, it's about 12 percent women actually think that. uh majority of these drivers are divorced um, and they are divorced or single, uh, so they don't have family to come back. Or, or the, the the kids grow up, and then they can spend more time and uh, more time away from uh, away from home. Many of the drivers are dri uh, or the uh, the drivers are driving with their wives. Um, but this type of but the new new generation, like 20, 25 year olds, unlike in two thousand five, six, seven, when you know strong solos or gave us here. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> This, uh, they're no longer no longer 25 year olds that want to drive trucks. A truck truck was mm -hmm. uh, trucking is just not sexy position. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, now it's much better to do you know social media and videos and stuff like this, which is so. There's not a lot of young people entering yeah. the so, market. And, and in the last couple of years, I had a lot of drivers that uh, actually during COVID we lost drivers to COVID. Uh, mm. They passed. Uh, they, oh, wow. they, uh, they passed away. But uh, we also had. Uh, Drivers that have been with us for a long time and then they just retired and was thinking, okay, 
drivers are retiring, can I have good people that retire? I mean, they can, they can work indefinitely. Mm. Like, where are we going from now? Like, because yeah. the new generation is not coming, uh, is not coming to drive. Yeah. Um, and at the time, we, in 2021, at the peak, and when it was difficult to find drivers, actually for us it was easy, and we found that uh, we had drivers with steady lanes, uh, we, got st we got steady lanes, and if you give them a certainty of work, Mm -hmm. Meaning either steady steady routes yeah. or something local, you can find you can find drivers even in the highest market that was twenty twenty one. But it's mm -hmm. difficult to find people find like drivers. the habit and the regular. They want to have some safety. security. Some security. Yeah. Very few people would be okay to start driving in Chicago or any anywhere, and then mm -hmm. eventually 30, 30 days later, potentially they'll make a paycheck. Mm -hmm. And one paycheck in one week is can be thousand dollars. The other week mm -hmm. can be twenty five hundred dollars. Mm -hmm. uh, so this instability—it's not really instability, but this yeah. uncertainty. Uncertainty—it's uh, turns a lot of people it's away. It's difficult to find people like that. Mm -hmm. yeah, so. Uh, so back to Dredge. Uh, Dredge, in a way, it's it's a. Uh, it's, um, you offer local local jobs to to, to drivers. Mm -hmm. If you have uh, we, we have drive operation in Houston now we're building in, uh, now we're building in Chicago, uh, but then our our focus will be finding uh, local drivers in in Houston and that's easy. It's difficult to find drivers from Houston to go over the road, but uh, uh, drivers that are local it's it's easy because mm -hmm. just people want to be close to their family yeah. Some, sometimes they'll be mm -hmm. we have we have guys that are working now and say hey uh, my wife is sick i have to watch the kids i can't i'll come a little bit later mm -hmm. and we can adjust the work around uh, around that this is not the case with over the road so that's uh, and, and and the other thing the, the reason that i went i wanted to go into dredge is i think transportation industry in general with uh, the trains are big competitors now and uh, trains are big trains are big competitors. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of goods are going to trains. I mean, you mm -hmm. can see Schneider, JB Hunt, I mean, yeah. uh, uh, Hub Group. They're putting containers on fifty-three foot containers that are putting on train for domestic freight, not just for imports and export, but for yeah. domestic freight. Amazon is doing. Uh, Amazon is doing yeah. that. Mm -hmm. um, and I believe that this is where the industry is going. And and then driver and and mm -hmm. it's going to be more drivers towards local this. Hubs, like you, you get the big, uh, the, the big cities. Okay, uh, just to make sure I understood you, uh, you think the industry is going in kind of two directions right now, uh, or you're betting on it uh, that more drivers are going to want to be local to be closer to their families, and that's why you're kind of in, going into the drainage market where it's more yeah. uh, local, and people can return home every night, have yeah. that regular. And the other thing is trains and rail is becoming more and more popular. Um, and do you think? Th why do you think that that rail is? becoming a uh, rail it's uh, more like rail now you can move fast on rail mm -hmm. fast faster on rail okay so also it's not three days uh, yeah rail mm -hmm. it's also uh, it's mm -hmm. also significantly cheaper than than, than a truck mm -hmm. so if you have uh, loads that are uh, time agnostic but uh, price sensitive uh, mm -hmm. then it's easier to go. On, uh, it's easier to go on rail yeah. than, than to go over uh, to go over the road. Mm -hmm. uh, the most difficult freight that we're not able to go to rail from, mm -hmm. uh, were uh, produce. Uh, but yeah. now, now because of the, the the trains are so much so much better, even uh, river containers are going on rail. Really, yeah. and then even produce can uh, produce mm -hmm. can make it. Wow! So okay. in. And if you look at market going in that direction, mm -hmm. and uh, you, you guys know that uh, JB Hunt purchased BNSF, uh, BNSF Logistics, yeah. uh, mm -hmm. uh, the the brokerage, the brokerage, the brokerage, brokerage, the brokerage yeah. piece. Mm -hmm. I mean, they know uh, 
Mm-hmm. They know what's up, Jimmy Hunt. Yeah, they yeah. know what's up. Not to mention they have rail roads mm-hmm. and rail yards. Do yeah. you think that that's a byproduct of the fact that fuel, a diesel, has gone up over the last? On one hand, diesel. I mean, regardless of the price of diesel, because chains are also running on diesel. Um, True. Uh, it will be always cheaper to run on train yeah. than, mm-hmm. than on a truck, regardless of the price of diesel. When yeah. the when the price of diesel is actually higher, then the the, the delta between train and, and trucking companies gets is, is no, it's, sure. it, gets, it gets bigger because uh, with because the tr- it's cost even more in the truck. train is most cost effective. Train oh, yeah, okay. be, and but now especially with the train being very close to time wise as truck, then it's like it's less yeah. less expensive and it's similar time wise. So, so it's like okay. Just curious because like I mean. Rails existed for a while. There has been anything changing in terms of uh, there. There are more rail lines being built. Uh, the companies are you know in existence for a long time. Uh, so like, why hasn't this taken place earlier, uh, Papa? Why do you expect it to be larger concentration now? Like, why wasn't it happening? Uh, like 10, 15 years ago, we didn't have Amazon, and now you have this. Uh, um, you know, you have this tech companies. Mm-hmm. that are bringing a uh, different type of thinking into an older industry. That supply chain industry is the oldest industry there is, uh, <laughs> with, with the start industry. And, you know, back to ancient Rome, right? Uh, <laughs> yes. Uh, and uh, you always always had, but then you have different type of thinking uh, that are coming coming in. Like, look at uh, Tesla, uh, look at Tesla and the, the rest of the uh, the rest of the car companies. Yeah. Tesla, how come Tesla can afford what they what they make we were talking about earlier about uh, data from from cars Cars. tesla is doing that and then the rest of the car companies they still have their old ways they still have the 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 type of unions that they do or the way that the type of manufacturing that they do is still older ways they don't have this new fresh perspective than a company like tesla tesla has and tesla still makes cars Mm -hmm. but the mindset is more of a comes from a technical background so it's a different different way of thinking okay so you you think that like they're looking into like Amazon has been I don't like, think putting more just, stuff in rail. And I don't think that just Amazon. But yeah. I mean, if, if you if you get pure logistics, I would I would say uh, Schneider and JB Hunt. I really like these companies because yeah. they have they, they have trucks, which is the we, you need trucks. You need yeah. to know how to operate trucks sure. to, to do to do anything. Mm-hmm. And on top of these trucks, regardless of if you do a broker, direct shipper, yeah. you need to move it on a truck. You need to deal the problems that trucks have. And these big companies, and I'm, you know, there are other other companies that are doing uh, that are doing uh, the same. Other big companies, but uh, you see, these two companies that I know, they're investing so much in tech, and so they have di- this different perspective to 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 mm-hmm. to, to, tech, to, so, to the old business that we are. Sure, okay. sure. And I'm curious. So for the Drayed stuff, like you would pick up, let's say you send a driver to Houston Port, and they would pick it up, and they'll take it to like. The BNSF railway, or oh, no? Uh, actually, uh, for for dredge, you have so you have dredge intermodal. Sometimes people mix them mix them together. Intermodal mm-hmm. is all the freight. So if you take a, if we buy, I mean, intermodal intermodal all all intermodal the change. Uh, you have freight ch- that changes a couple of different modes of transportation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You have ship, you have truck, you have train, you have Air. you know different different modes. Okay, mm-hmm. dredge is the uh, dredge is called the piece that you take the container mm-hmm. from. Uh, either Rail from the railroad, railroad uh, mm-hmm. or from from the port, and you bring it to the warehouse to unload or load, and then bring it bring it back. This is this is the portion of dredge. Uh, of dredge. Um, you bring it to the warehouse to unload or load, load, but um, you unload it in that warehouse, and then 
you take another truck to go and deliver it to the next spot, or uh, or is that warehouse the final destination? The the warehouse the final destination usually uh, so it's really just railroad to where to delivery location or port to delivery location. Yeah. It's that little element where intermodal is the bigger thing. The intermodal is mm. uh, this dredge is just part of intermodal the, the whole yes. intermodal. So dredge is one little fragment yeah. of intermodal. Understood. Yeah, because if you take mm. uh, I don't I, I don't know you take shoes if they come from from Asia. They come on, on a truck, then mm. then on a then on a ship, mm. then uh, the ship arrives in one of the one of the ports, let's mm. say Houston. We take it with the truck uh, to go to the warehouse, and then yeah. from the warehouse uh, it can be transported to a dry van. Mm. So it's a different mode of transportation. Yeah. Or it's going to be transported straight to straight truck, uh, straight mm. truck to Container. water deliveries or whatever mm. uh, yeah. whatever. Uh, it could whatever. be railed again. Or or rail again. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. And Houston, I know in the last year or so or ever since the pandemic has really risen in terms of uh tonnage or teus in the ports yes so like it's been booming the port of houston is booming and then is that why you kind of chose houston uh we originally we chose houston for our terminal because uh, all the chemical company we're hazmat company Mm -hmm. we already have relationships and we have a lot of our customers in in houston this is the biggest when it comes to chemicals houston Mm -hmm. is the place oh wow i didn't know and and Mm -hmm. that's uh, that's why we got the terminal there, and then eventually dredge. So it happened that also Houston is growing. I mean, Houston is the Texas port, mm-hmm. and uh, you know that, you know after the pandemic how many companies went to Texas and start yeah. building in te- yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, building in Texas. So imports they have to come somewhere and port sure. uh, to, to the ports. That's mm-hmm. why uh, sure. Houston port is growing. Mm-hmm. I think they announced ten billion dollars in in, in improvements yeah. Yeah. for the, for the mm-hmm. inf- infrastructure yeah. uh, for the port. So yeah. they're Anticipating even more to come to come yeah. there. Mm-hmm. Sure, that's huge. Uh, very interesting, uh, Pavel. I do want to like we, we have like around fifteen minutes or so, so I, I do want to touch on a few more topics here. Um, so there was um, about the insurance policies before recording. We we're talking about kind of like mm-hmm. what's going on in behind with like the insurance agencies and insurance companies uh, and the driver payouts stuff like that. Can you touch a little bit on the topic of the problems you see? Uh, with insurance companies and yeah. what are some of like the I guess effects that have come out uh, because of you know well we, we everybody knows about nuclear verdicts and everybody understands what nuclear verdicts in, in, in our industry is and it's unfortunate actually it's, can you explain what a nuclear verdict is real yeah. quick just so the trucking company trucking companies have predominantly they have a million dollars in insurance uh, some trucking companies have seven hundred fifty thousand uh, dollars uh, uh, this is liability insurance and uh, very few companies have more than a million dollar insurance. They, th- those companies that have more than a million dollar insurance, they do some very highly specialized freight, maybe mm-hmm. the special hazmat groups that I've told you, maybe so- something very highly specialized sure. freight, or there is a requirement for one customer mm-hmm. that uh, wants $5 million. $5 million. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably 99% of the companies have $1 okay. million of policy. When we get into an accident, um, and unfortunately, accidents happen. We're on the road all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, people are suing the trucking company, and uh, they're painting. Now they learn how to paint the picture that the trucking company is very bad. Uh, it's very bad, and so the uh, attorneys are, are explaining how trucking companies failed to do um, to, to to change something on the driver application. They forgot to put a letter on the driver application. That means the trucking company is bad, or the trucking company uh, change four tires at once before an accident, that means the, uh, the, the trucking company is bad, but nobody's thinking these four tires are part of the record incident. Yeah. 
so they, they paint a picture. They paint a picture that this corporation is uh, is created only to kill people on the uh, on the road or to, to harm people on the road. Yeah. And when they go in front of the jury, the jury uh, the, the jury says, okay, then the trucking company fought. The trucking company is to pay ten million dollars, uh, twenty million twenty million dollars to to the victim. When the insurance is only one million dollars, yeah. then the rest of the, the judgment has to come out of the trucking company. Has uh, to come out of the trucking company. Well, and what does the company do then? They that's what makes it well, nuclear because that's it's an atomic bomb. It's kind of uh, yeah. the trucking company is done. I mean, yeah. so uh, yeah, and I've I've heard about this before. I just want to. There's one carrier that I used to work with very closely as a broker for years. Marvin Keller, and I know they had a nuclear verdict yep. like a year ago. Yep. I just saw their truck on the road two days ago, and I, I'm just curious. Like, so they, does that mean like they had to raise some money or like get some? No, no or debt? I think they. Uh, well, in that case, uh, trucking companies will file for bankruptcy, Chapter Eleven. Okay. And uh, they'll reorganize, and then uh, they'll make it in a way to, to show that they can pay it. I mean, you can't pay ten million dollars. Uh, can't so, pay so, you, you just can't pay it. Not to mention, so on one hand, I don't know the situation with Marvin sure. by, by any means, yeah. I, but uh, uh, some of those claims are just fraudulent, uh, and some of those claims are not not real. Like take uh, Warner, I think they had mm -hmm. a claim about three hundred million dollars yeah. or some some, yeah, yeah, some yeah. huge judgment. The situation was the truck was driving on the right lane, and then a drunk driver from the opposite lane crossed through the median and hit the truck and died, or some, something happened with this, uh, this other. Yeah. Now they're suing for $300 million. The driver and the, 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 the carrier, because they're saying that one of the drivers, I'm not not know uh, much in the details, but the driver was not supposed to be, uh, supposed to be there. And it's like, okay, but the driver was driving and someone was drunk and hit them and then whatever happened, happened. Yeah. And, and companies and people in, in courts are so good at painting the, the trucking company as the as, bad guy that juries yeah. always side with the person that yeah, suffered. And, and, those, and, and, and this right. thing's... Mm. And so, like, right now, if that happens, but, like, when it happens to a company like Werner, like, yeah... You hit the reset, yeah. reset button on that company and you start again. Yeah. But you go after me. Yeah. So um, I kind of sidetracked there because I actually wasn't completely sure what your clear verdict was. So I'm glad that you explained that, Pablo. So now the problem here is, well, what is the problem with insurance companies? Well, with insurance companies, I'll tell you a problem for our experience for two claims that happened with us. We, um, we had an accident, one, one accident that uh, the driver, well, our driver and the other, the other truck driver, they, they collided in one another. Uh, I have strong opinion that it's, it's not only one or the other's fault. Maybe, I, of course, I don't think that's the other, the other person's, uh, person's fault. Uh, but eventually they'd say that it's our, uh, it's our, it's our fault. And so the two drivers collided, uh, nobody was hurt. I mean, everybody mm -hmm. went, uh, walked on. The other, uh, the other driver, um, of of this other trucking of this other trucking yeah. company suing us. Uh, for first he he said they have some medical bills thirty thousand dollars, and our insurance company was okay. We're gonna pay the medical bills for thirty thousand dollars, and we're done. And they signed paper, and whatever happened happened. Uh, this driver started uh, this other driver started driving, and then six months later he came back and and he said, Do you know guys, uh, I want over a million. I think he asked for two million, three million, so, some millions of dollars. Uh, because I can't work for the rest of my life and my, my back hurt, everything hurt, so uh, they wanted to reopen the case and they did reopen the case. 
So we went to the position, we, we, we spent over a year through, through this, and eventually they settled for $300,000, uh, $306,000, which are below the million dollars of, mm. my, uh, of our policy. But in my mind, it's like, how, why, why don't you fight? Uh, like, uh, but the insurance company also, they're settling to, for, for those amounts, because they know, uh, they, they, they know that if they go to court, they're going to go get more. the maximum and then, uh, and then some, and for them, it's easier, to, uh, it's cheaper to sell uh, to yeah. sell and not fight for it. However, we had another another ac ac accident, and it's like so-called accident. One of our tr real quick there, you're saying that the insurance companies, the problem is that they should be fighting and not just settling well, and saying you're guilty. Well, pretty much for for them, it's difficult to fight all of them, and I get mm -hmm. that. I understand. You understand if they, why if they go into the, in, mm -hmm. into court. Mm -hmm. They can settle the three hundred thousand dollars, but if they mm -hmm. go to court, they can they maybe have to pay one one million. So mm -hmm. it's because of those nuclear verdicts and because mm -hmm. of the way that uh, the these other attorneys they paint the picture. Tricking companies did some something bad. But then I had another problem, which I think is the insurance company's fault because they didn't follow up. We had an accident, and uh, accident is just it's not even fender bender. Our truck just pushed a little bit the car in in mm -hmm. the back. Uh, the car had a scratch on the back bumper, scratch. Uh, our truck had a bent license plate, that, that was all. Uh, we have the, the other driver standing around the car, uh, we have pictures, we have, we have all that. But then this other driver came up with some documents from some doctors that nobody double-checked, double that he's uh, gravely hurt, he, for the rest of his life he can't, he can't be working. So he was asking also for some, million, some millions of dollars. Eventually, the trucking, uh, the, our insurance company settled for seven hundred thousand, seven hundred thousand dollars with this driver. They were, uh, with this other other guy that was driving the car, they didn't, um, they didn't check any. Uh, I, I guess they didn't check any of the documents. We were talking with attorneys, uh, with yeah. our attorneys from our insurance company. They were like, "Oh, we don't know what this is. Uh, now we have to pay. If we go to uh, the, uh, if we go to court, we're going to pay more. So it's better to settle." And our uh, and our position was like, but there is not real injury, there is no injury whatso whatsoever. Yeah. There is no. Uh, but he has documents from doctors. Those are doctors. I mean, if I go to a doctor and pay for a doctor, I say, hey, my back hurts and whatever, whatever hurts. Yep. Doctor is gonna write because I'm paying him. He's gonna write what I tell him to do. Uh, we yeah. didn't do any any double checks. We, we didn't do any any of that. Wow. And just insurance company decided seven hundred thousand dollars. And the problem is, I that love your way of thinking. It's like re uh, so real, true problem solvers. It's like the best way to make money nowadays is to go get I'm scratched honestly, by. Just go scratched by. It, it's like it's, it's they, they people take advantage of the fact that it's not worth it for insurance companies, um, especially ones representing trucking companies, to literally go and fight it because they know they can get up to whatever one hundred fifty thousand dollars. But then the insurance, but but it's one thing if you cover real. Something that really happened. Something, and unfortunately, things happen on the yeah. road that where people are hurt, and this insurance money they need to go to, towards people that are really hurt. That yeah, really yeah, happens. No. Makes sense. But then on the other hand, you have fraudulent claims. I mean, down in Gary, Indiana, there were there were times when a couple of people would jump in a car and they're gonna uh, they're gonna hit one of the truck on purpose, and then mm -hmm. four people will claim injuries. Mm -hmm. uh, and I oh. had friends that were in that situation when a car would hit them. And they'll claim everybody. Uh, Have you ever heard of a case where that something like that happens and like the the carrier wins, the trucking company wins? Their their situation when the carrier uh, the carrier wins, but they, they but then they hire attorneys that actually fight and they understand. They understand. Mm -hmm. We had a, for example, th there is another thing that goes against trucking companies. We had a driver. Uh, she, 
she was a very bad driver. She did too low. Uh, she uh, it it was it was a female female driver. Uh, driver. She um, she did two loads or three loads, and we let. Uh, and then during one of the loads, she said that she f she tripped and fell into one of the truck stops, and she hurt her leg or something. So she. Uh, she sued pilot to find you or some, uh, someone for thirty thousand dollars. So they paid paid her the money. Suppose supposedly they paid her the money. That's what she said. That's that what she, got she the that's money. what she that's mm -hmm. what she yeah. said. And then she returned. She was from Albuquerque, I think. Uh, in Albuquerque, she would use our truck as personal vehicle, and we're okay. Why are you using your mm -hmm. truck as personal vehicle? And she said, "Oh, my doctor said I can't drive anymore." So I was fine. Don't don't drive. But also. Since you can't drive a truck, don't use it as portion of vehicle. <laughs> <laughs> you know, first of all, we, you, you can't do that. You yeah, can't yeah. do that. So anyway, we we let her go. We we, we did not. I mean, this was a person that didn't want to deal uh, to deal with. Mm -hmm. And uh, I would love to. Uh, uh, too bad we're tied on time. I think probably yeah. Uh, but uh, I think a year later, an attorney is calling me for that for that driver and asking me information. And she told me that this driver sued a couple of different trucking companies. Because she trips and falls, and then she's suing the truck company. She was suing a, a truck wash because she was in a truck. She went into a truck wash, slipped and fall. When the when the guy from truck wash told her, "Don't don't stay in the truck. Don't don't get out of the truck." Yeah. She went out of the truck, supposedly uh, slipped and fell, and then she's in the habit of suing mm -hmm. that's her companies. Business plan. That's, her that's I guess how she yeah. makes yeah. I mean, it's like wow. I guess just. Owning a trucking company, you're dealing with so many issues, so many problems. Yeah. Government regulations, people. It just seems like it yeah, is a huge headache. Get, everybody's there to get uh, to get you. Yeah. We've got uh, a situation where we would hire uh, a private investigator to go and investigate on fraudulent uh, load claims. Uh, we had a we had a claim where uh, we. There was one pallet that was broken, and it was like five thousand dollars, ten thousand dollars. were okay. Our insurance company said, "Okay, we're gonna pay that that's yeah. because that's broken." They investigated; everything is there. Then we hired a private investigator to go and do a full report because the the shipper uh, told told us that this load cost three hundred thousand dollars, and so it happened. This is one of the things that maybe we can talk, we can talk about. Uh, we got it from a broker that double brokered it to us, and we didn't know. When there was a problem, the broker that hired us, and we didn't know, the, the yeah. broker that hired us told us, hey, this is uh, just regular dog, dog food or some, something something like that. Uh, and when there was a problem, then the original broker found out that this lot is double brokered. And the, the, the guy that double brokered it, the company that double brokered it, said, okay, we don't care, we don't, we, we're, not responsible for, uh, we're not responsible for that. So in order to fix the, pro the problem, we started working directly with the direct broker, yeah. which, was, which was great because the, they were very understandable and they were not scamming anyone sure. uh, from... Uh, but you, when you have problems like that, uh, like that, you need to work with... This way you need to work with the tricking company that knows how to deal with problems. Uh, but also, a lot of these problems are from companies or people, predominantly people on the road that just go after the big insurance uh, that is a trucking company. Yeah. Um, is there a solution to that? Can you fight that? Do you have any ideas or is that something that people should think well, about? Is this a cost of defense question? Is this a matter of it's how much cost it of, It's cost of defense. If, you, um, if there is an accident and someone says we're going to court, they always ask for, you know, Millions of millions of dollars, right. and insurance companies uh, know that. And uh, insurance companies sometimes they just don't fi don't don't fight, and then they settle for the three hundred thousand dollars, five hundred thousand dollars. 
So if you think about those, these are not nuclear verdicts claims, they're below the minimum, the insurance company pays for it, but what happens is the insurance company actually uh, takes money, the next the next year's policy, uh, checking company uh, go, goes up, yeah. and then eventually, you know, checking company can afford to, to pay for, for insurance because they're fraudulent claims. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the solution is, one solution partially, is insurance companies fighting the non-nuclear verdicts, the, the smaller cases, yes. and winning them, and not having your insurance go off after Some, they... Sometimes mm-hmm. it's the right thing to settle, I, and mm-hmm. I understand that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but sometimes there are fraudulent claims well, that, in my experience, with the $700,000 uh, $700, that happened, in my experience, my, our insurance company didn't do anything. Oh. If, and that was bad for them because, I mean, next year I can have higher insurance, but I, I may not be from them, but they, they're going to have a loss sure. uh, because of that. So in a way, yeah, my insurance is going to increase a little bit, yeah. but I can go with different different insurance so, company. They will still have a loss. In that situation, let's say, like, they pay the seven hundred thousand, and next year you go to a different company. They see that record, though, right? That like this. They see the record. The next yeah. company is going to increase my insurance. Yeah. And this company that paid seven hundred thousand dollars, they still did on their books, and they still lost money, and sure. they and lost money, and they lost, lost a customer. And a customer, yeah. Okay, got it, got it. Oh, that's very interesting. Oh wow. Um, uh, yeah, they yeah. technically. Okay. Uh, too, yeah. So, just real quick, if we could wrap this subject up. Like, let's say you're a trucking company owner, like just talking broadly here, if someone's listening and they're a trucking company owner, what should they be looking out for when it comes to like finding a good insurance company? Uh, first, finding insurance company, uh, insurance company that you can communicate with, and usually, usually trucking companies communicate through their insurance brokers. So find an insurance broker that has fast report because they are the bridge between the, the trucking company yeah. and the insurance company. The, so like, un, unlike in freight where we can go directly, to a trucking company can skip the broker and go directly to yeah. shipper and get the freight. With insurance, you need to go through an insurance agent because they have a license and insurance company doesn't have the license, so you okay. have to go through insurance agent. But uh, find insurance agent, that is good for you, but more importantly, to get a better, better rate, you need to have your house in order. You have to run a very tight ship. And regardless of how tight a ship you run, there's mm-hmm. going to be rough seas that eventually some something can capsize. Especially in trucking. It's still, yeah, it can capsize your very tight ship. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah. got it. So yeah. be on the lookout for that. What are your thoughts, uh, Pavel, on the freight market? When do you expect it to rebound? What do you think of the current freight market? What are your thoughts on that? A friend of mine told me uh, a year ago that they're making uh, uh, annual uh, annual forecasts every month or every week. <laughs> <laughs> <So>. <laughs> So, they change from week know, to week because yeah. because how how it goes. I don't know. We've been. I'm looking at. Uh, I'm looking at numbers. Uh, we've had a pattern from 2012, 2013, when 2013 so everything started going up towards mm-hmm. the end of the year. This, Polar vortex, right? Uh, Railroads this, froze. You're working on this. Uh, this was uh, the same pattern was in 2016, 2017. That 2014 was the uh, uh, 20, uh, 2018 led to the, this yeah. high market. And we went to 2019 and 2020, despite the, uh, the, the, uh, the COVID, uh, despite COVID, we were going following the same the same pattern. And so it was expected towards 20, uh, end of 2020 and 2021 uh, for the freight market to go to go up because those yeah. were, this was the, pat- uh, the, the pattern. Uh, just the pandemic, you know, changed a little bit and it went really Amplified. good, really high. Yeah. And things things changed. I mean, the whole world yeah. changed. Um, I think uh, if we follow this. This pattern that uh, 2020, 
22 was the bad year and 2023 yeah. now we should be coming out but I'm we're still not. yet to see it, uh, if we're coming out yeah it doesn't I, seem like it as of right now um, and now we have after outside uh, like if you if you talk about if we talk about Houston um, the imports in Houston right now were delayed a couple couple of years ago because we had hurricanes on the on the east side, east side of the country, so ships mm -hmm. could not pass through. And then you have the Panama Canal that is very dry, so you have like 200 ships waiting to pass through through, through mm -hmm. Panama Canal. Yeah. And those ships can come. I mean, China uh, to Houston, they have to come through uh, through through that. Yeah. And then you have California uh, that were they were striking also that 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 kind of delayed uh, delayed freight. So you have. A lot, more, a lot more moving parts. I hope that we're we're at the bottom. I see a lot of trucking companies uh, lower the number of trucks they have, including us. We lower the number of trucks we have. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of trucking companies just went out of business, and eventually, I mean, th there is going to be demand for demand for loads regardless. I mean, United States is not going to stop. Yeah. Uh, but trucking companies now uh, are living so now they're less than uh, th they're going towards uh, the supply of trucks is less than yeah. than the actual demand, and eventually this can tip the tip the market a little bit into the opposite direction. Okay. But in my experience, it's always been like when the freight start going down, it starts going down, and then eventually bottoms out, and then when it starts going up, it's not there's no stopping. It starts it's just the whole consensus of the issue starts start, yeah. start going up. Everything's very extreme on both ends. Yeah. And yeah. It's true. And longer than expected on both ends. It's, yeah. uh, especially last month, I mean, we had three doors, uh, three doors per gallon um, in June, July, mm -hmm. and now it's 450, uh, the yeah. fuel is 450. It's a huge cost. And as as in California, it was like 550. 550, six doors, it's, it's a lot of money. Yeah, definitely. Good uh, stuff. Yeah, very good stuff. Amazing. Real. I, I think what I the last question I want to ask everyone might ask something here as well. But uh, what are your thoughts on like all the VC investing that flooded the industry for the last couple of years? And where <laughs> do you foresee where do you foresee the technology going uh, into like what what kind of changes? It's it's, it's cool because you started off with the map, you know, truck driving a truck in 06 to like. Now, like obviously, everyone has GPSs, ELDs, all that stuff. Where do you see the next like ten years taking us? And can you also just kind of elaborate more on what you are still working on? Um, yeah. So first, on the VC flooding, flooding the mar uh, flooding the market. Um, when the first term of digital brokerage came around, that was a company, Cargomatic, I think, was. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I was. Uh, Looking, it was it was interesting, but it was a freight broker. And then Convoy came around, and then Uber Freight came ar came around. And I was looking at them. It's like, okay, but this is digital digital brokers. Nothing. Uh, I mean, not digital broker. That's a regular broker with uh, more broker. IT ideas. And just more yeah. IT ideas. But you, at the end of the day, you need to organize freight. Uh, organize freight. You need to move yeah. freight. Um, you guys know here in Chicago, there are numerous uh, brokerages that don't have the marketing that. Digital brokerages have, and they're doing well. Uh, I mean, they're making 100, 200, 300 million uh, million dollars of uh, worth of revenue, which is, you know, and they're doing very well. And they're real brokers that are moving real freight. Then you have the VCs with digital brokerages, and uh, I think they serve one important purpose. That first of all, that something that they did, and I don't know how it could have been done without them, is they made the transportation industry sexy. They made uh, marketing people actually start working in transportation industry because, like before that, who wants to work in transportation? Oh, transportation like this right. is 
uh-huh. trucks, drivers, truck stops, that's mm-hmm. dirty, and that, that's the perception of the general, uh, general yeah, public. Yeah. Sure. So this digital brokers, they brought people into the transportation industry that uh, have this different different angle of doing things, which is, impo- which is important. On the downside uh, is these digital, broker, uh, digital brokers, they hire, uh, uh, they hire people or, or even if it's not digital brokers, just you raise money for transportation because now everybody knows that they're problem is transportation, which they, are, they really are. But people from outside the industry come and try to change the transportation industry when they, uh, I mean, I, I joke with this, but that's true, when they don't know what is a white Volvo from Elgro Village. I mean, you've been, you've been in trucking, <laughs> yeah. you know how to hire, uh, hire you know, strong solos or gates. It's funny, but if, unless you've been in trucking and you understand what that means, I mean, that means that you understand what the actual operation is. Because in trucking, you need to, things are happening fast, you need to solve problems fast. Um, and if you're coming from a different background, then it's fine to have, you know, product managers, you have to have developers, you have to have a bunch of other meetings and Zoom meetings and all, uh, and all this just to talk for the sake of talking. But don't forget about the actual generals and the warriors that are on the battlefield fighting but, it every day. You know, get some of their get, get them on your team too. Yeah, but they, they have, mm-hmm. uh, but but they they're not short of cash, mm-hmm. so they can be just doing stuff that they're not testing out. They're not doing it out of because mm-hmm. to solve a problem on the uh, actual problem because they don't know the problems. Mm-hmm. Uh, eventually, if they have a lot of cash and they they long time, eventually they can start generating that experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I mean. I don't know what's happening with Convoy, if they're going to sell, they're not going to sell, I don't, I, I don't know what's happening. If but one of those cool uh, IT companies, the venture capital type companies, came to you to kind of join their team as like an advisor or something like that, as like, not just a one-time meeting, but like actually start working on a project and something like that, would you be interested? Uh, that would be interesting. I like to learn about new ideas and new, business, uh, new businesses, and mm-hmm. I think uh, uh, not, not just me, but every of this. VC companies, they need to have someone who has been with dirty hands into into transportation. But uh, into trans- if they want to invest in transportation, that's my uh, that, mm-hmm. that's my thing. They, they need to have someone who knows what is to do with drivers. They need to know how. S- We've chased tr- truck drivers with helicopters. I'm not jo- I'm not joking. We have uh, sometimes. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> You've chased drivers in helicopters. With helicopters. <laughs> that was in Dallas. Someone, uh, someone was running away with the truck. Is, so is that is that what happens when like it's time to let someone a driver go, and then suddenly it's so hard to let a driver go? Sometimes, like, sometimes yeah. drivers just get in the truck and start driving. Like, I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> no, it's, yeah. you have to you have to get them out because mm-hmm. and and we're talking a lot about budget. These are only probably. Two percent, three percent of the drivers. The rest of the guys yeah. are awesome. But the sure. two, three but percent the 2% make the most problems, problems, right? Yeah, yeah. that's but what people talk about problems. We talked about this. Yeah, uh, talk about problems. Not, we, not the good stuff. There's a lot of good stuff too. We we've had a situation where we had spilled hazmat on an island, and the the, the ferry could not take our truck with the with the, uh, the dirty trailer because wait, wait, so to, where, to where, to where was this ferry i'm curious in canada canada okay so you took a ferry you, the truck went on the ferry to one went, to, went to the island spilled it on the island uh, spilled it on the island and couldn't return yeah and then we had to deal with that program wow. and also with the with the uh, with and, and that's when you were like i'm never going and, back and, to canada. And, and, <laughs> it's not, and it's not it's not like dangerous gas but it's considered it was paint it just okay. has mm-hmm. uh, sure. it, it has it's like a paint. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. 
Like hazmat is not that scary. I mean, you have uh, hazmat sounds scary, can, but it depends on the class. Hand sanitizer mm-hmm. is hazmat, just yeah. just so you know. Okay. And, and everybody is know. putting mm-hmm. it on on himself. But <laughs> when you have a larger quantity, it becomes hazmat. It's flammable. Mm-hmm. Got it. Uh, but those VCs back back to uh, back to your question. Uh, I think VCs, if you don't, if you invest money and to know the business, either they need to for someone to vet the companies, they need to have someone who has actual experience of managing operation, operations mm-hmm. experience, not just finance, finance experience. Finance sure. is important, um, but you need operations just to, just to, to weed, uh, to weed out. Uh, with, I, with digital brokers, maybe that's the situation with, con- uh, with Convoy, uh, again, and there are, many, there, there are many others that are losing money. And they say, oh, but you know, we're losing money, but we raise money, we, we, we budgeted, we have forecasts and all that. Yeah, but you, you, you you're not making money when you have this old backing and connections and all, mm-hmm. all this. You're not making you're not making money while building some technology that is fine. Let's build technology. We need we need that. But in 2023, you can start a brokerage and they're off the shelf TMS systems that are for broker for brokers that are that are that are mm-hmm. great. Like why would you spend millions and millions of dollars to build something that you don't know how? To, you don't know. You know how to build software, but uh, what the software? What are the need for? What need is the software? It's, yeah. You don't, you don't I think these guys are working on something that's gonna change the game. But you need to have <laughs> you need to have the experience. Uh, you need to have the experience. It's important. And, and with this is obviously not every company will succeed. Uh, will, will yeah. succeed. Most uh, don't. It's uh, like twenty percent. Yeah. That's. But you need to have those companies that can succeed to to test them out. But that, uh, my understanding was that they Im- try to implement the same strategy original Uber did to capture market share and for the longest time Uber was not profitable, right? And so their argument but from my understanding is that they're trying to subsidize, use this VC money essentially, burn through money, capture market share in hopes that let's say autonomous trucks come around and they have the market share to now trend. They, that's I think that angle that they're trying that to was, That was weird for me for when, when they came around in convoy into Uber, uh, Uber Freight uh, when they say we're going to do what Uber does for for trucking, which would never would never happen because uh, if you drive for Uber Uber car, you you have your personal vehicle, mm-hmm. and then you don't have permit, you don't have this insurance, you don't yeah. have any of that. Appointment and, times, pick up time. Appointment yeah, it's time. also not point A to point B. So you B, have an so. app, and then you can drive for two for two uh, for two hours, and then you can go home. I mean, yeah. it's flexible like that. But with trucking, you need to have IRP registration. You need to have uh, you need to have a drug test for drivers. You, you need can't to have, park everywhere. You can't park everywhere. You no. have to have uh, MC authority. You have to have this all this insurance. You need to buy equipment that specifically like nobody has a truck and trailer for driving for home that can, can use so like with with a car. So that's a that, that's you know that's not you, you can't do it like Uber for uh, Uber for cars. Now they they have the the Transplace, which is a big brokerage and. Then I I like that idea because if you have a real business operational business and then you have this technical thinking of doing new things, I mean eventually the actual business operational business mm-hmm. can can improve. Um, I hope that whoever has comp- uh, has company and raise money doesn't think oh I'm going to raise more money and this is how I'm going to fund the business instead of focusing on sales and profits. And if you, you test it out and it doesn't work, just you need to pivot, you need to adjust, you need to see what makes what makes money. And you don't rely on just VC, uh, VCs. No. If you rely on VC money when you have around C, D, E, and, e and, and, so, and, and so forth, then you then you you're not doing something. Well, is, I mean, yeah. Something something is not. It's not a real business. It's not real business. I, I 
I have strong opinion that if by round A you're you're not showing profits, or at least real path to prof, uh, real path to profits for real business no. and real real need, then in round D you still show a path to profits. Well, then I think it's no. time to. You're not in on that investment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of for sure. Yeah. Very cool. Um, I love that though. What, uh, if I may ask, uh, like, out of all the years you've been in this industry, now the stuff that you're involved in, companies you're involved in, technology-wise, what is, what has to you been the most transformational shift up until today, and then what gets oh. you excited about kind of future I, opportunities? Um, the most. The biggest shift technology-wise was when in 2014 when we when we put uh, uh, EODs in the trucks. Why? Because we started generating data. Uh, data. And now with, uh, with with data, if you, I mean, if you don't measure something, you can't control it. So now we started generating data, and I told you, like, we 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 start seeing patterns. We start seeing stuff. Now. Many, many many years after, uh, we have so much data around us. Uh, we're using uh, Samsara for EOD, and you know, Samsara has so much data. data. I mean, yeah, Samsara so motive, uh, they, they have all this, uh, all this data. It also makes their API easy to integrate. Yeah, that's uh, API easy to integrate. I mean, Qualcomm, when we integrated with, with Camion mm -hmm. back in this, Qualcomm was a nightmare. They, they did not have API, and luckily the guy who did the integration was very very good developer, very smart guy. <laughs> So he did it, but it was not is not it. Uh, now some charits and and those new EOD devices is quite easy. So that was the biggest thing data data. And I'm thinking, uh, well, on one hand you start generating data and you come uh, you 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 do that, which is something is important. You have um, the companies that are doing truck tracking. You know they they do data to generate data, which is which is something that we need. But then is the next the, then is the next stage. What do you do with that data? Uh, what do you do with that data? Uh, you need to make decisions based on that data moving moving forward. You need to make in a way predictions, and that's where you know machine learning in a way makes predictions for the future based on historical historical data. Right. But machine learning is not. I mean, machine learning is cool. I like it. We use it in some uh, some companies, but it's not a unified tool that you can hit all the nails. I mean, you, machine learning and everything is a you know right. how is it, is a nail. So the next uh, the next piece for for me that I see it's with the uh, coming up of uh, uh, you know ChatGPT, which is you know all the cool kids. Uh, sure. Uh, <laughs> what I what I see is uh, now based on some input, you start having decisions and uh, ChatGPT. Now people got used to it. Now they see when something is written by ChatGPT, but you can. Uh, but it's if you use it only for posts or or blogs, which you can you can. I mean, I'm yeah. using it for writing salt stuff sure. all the time. Uh, you know that makes it my job my job easier. But you can do so much with so much with that. I'm experimenting uh, the R startup that we uh, that I'm doing with uh, uh, making uh, communication platform between business and uh, customers and, and, and drivers. So right now we're communicating through through text messages. We're going to implement emails and like communicating through text messages is easy. I mean, it's very it, it, everybody can uh, everybody can do it. There are so many platforms out there. What my goal is to capture the, the flow of communication, uh, how people communicate. If drivers are you know, drivers are happy, drivers are unhappy, dispatchers are happy or, or not or whatever. Uh, you know, you have to capture that communication. Yeah. When the you capture, feelings. No, yeah, the emotion. You 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 have to capture mm -hmm. emotion. I'll show you after we finish. Uh, I'll show you. <laughs> I'll show you a lot of emotions uh, and how, <laughs> how that works. Okay. Uh, 
so when you when you cap when you capture all that all, all that data, then you have to make something out of it. Now you can use GPT for some, for others. Uh, in the case with uh, with uh, Perus with the documents, yeah. uh, we talk with companies. They say, "Oh, we're going to use ChatGPT for for documents. Don't worry about it." And then I see what we do because we have so many documents for uh, using ChatGPT for documents. It's you can do it on very small scale for the, for experiment that mm-hmm. kind of works. But if you want to scale it, and if you want to run a ta- ten thousand documents, hundred thousand document documents, ChatGPT one becomes very expensive, and two, it's not it's not as it's not built for that. It's not built for that. You need to do uh, more training on ChatGPT, which uh, and it's, it becomes more expensive. And in that case, you know, Peru is just specialized in that in that field, like Peru scanning can, big documents, big amounts, extracting so. extracting mm-hmm. data from from these big documents. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, like it's complete template. There's extract uh, a, a template, so it's even if it hasn't seen a document, you can recognize if it's a rate confirmation, it's a bill rating, even if even if you see a new type of rate confirmation, for example, and can extract necessary, necessary data. But it's not just extracting data; it's another things that Perus is doing on top of the data, like matching documents. Uh, this is where you can use machine learning actually. Uh, matching that proper bill rating with proper rate confirmation mm. are, for, uh, mm-hmm. are the same. Yeah, which actually, documents all are associated with the same load? Yeah, we, we have patent pending on this, so because you can match also documents in different fields. You can match uh, invoices with purchase order numbers. You can match, I mean, into mm, different nice. fields. And that's, that's a very difficult, powerful, actually. very difficult thing to Much better than laying a bunch of papers out here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, no, that's actually pretty legit. Uh, so, um, with this communication, what we, we, we're doing, and we're already doing it, we have. Uh, uh, we're capturing the conversations, all the mm-hmm. conversations, and then based on this conversation, then we can see patterns, and then we we know how to how to respond. We know how to what to do. So what we done, we've done for the last couple of months, we've been running it. We have AI recruiter that recruits drivers. Uh, so now, when when a driver contacts us for for some jo- uh, for some job, we automatically send a uh, send a text message, and then the AI recruiter starts communicating with the driver, and. Um, in the in the driver recruiting world, you have a lot of these uh, you know drivers that are calling. And sometimes they say, "Oh, but I want to drive only locally in Miami," mm-hmm. and that's not part of what what you offer. And you have mm-hmm. to politely say, "Hey, we don't have that. Yep. We have this Takes different time. things." Mm-hmm. So you have to uh, go 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 through that. And the, this AI uh, this AI tool is working flawlessly and perfect and perfectly. It awesome. took some time to, to train it, but uh, yeah, now it's working forward. So how would it work? Would I, I want to get hired with your company. I uh, go on your website, you say, hey, send an, uh, uh, an, you, uh, an SMS to this number. Uh, you, mm-hmm. go to the we- you go to the website, uh, you fill up your name, your phone number, your email, mm-hmm. uh, and you request, uh, request information. We're going to mm-hmm. send you a uh, uh, text message, and mm-hmm. then you can start asking, uh, you go through the text message, you start asking questions. Okay. Um, Have you asked the drivers if they knew? Nobody and uh, so that's that's a big uh, that, that's a big thing. And next thing now, I, what I'm, I'm working on is uh, 
you know how we receive emails with uh, uh, freight quotes uh, yeah. and asking, hey, this how much is the load from Chicago to Memphis and all that. Mm -hmm. uh, this can be automated to, to do proper quote, uh, to proper quotes, and then we can use ChatGPT for a little bit, for a little a little mm -hmm. piece of it. Uh, but ChatGPT is not just the solution for that. But I'm building on, uh, so I'm well, working on something. Do you know what that end product would look like? Uh, say I'm a dispatcher calling about a load from Memphis to Chicago. You, if you're a dispatcher mm -hmm. or a broker, you're mm -hmm. going to receive numerous emails uh, asking you for, yeah. uh, do you have a van in Chicago, do you have a van in LA and, and all that. So the product is, we're going to, you receive the email, mm -hmm. and then this AI tool is going to just reply, hey, we don't have, uh, uh, we don't service, California, for example, okay. or it's going to say a load from Chicago to Atlanta is going to be, you know, $2,000, $1,000, whatever it is. Okay, yeah. interesting. Very useful. And, and then you can quickly, I mean, that's part of the communication. The, the mm -hmm. important thing is when you when you build technology, any type of technology, mm -hmm. to monitor what how the user behaves and don't expect the user to change the behavior because you built some very cool thing that you think is cool. I mean. I think a lot of things that I'm building are cool, but uh, only the market will say if the they are useful. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, if they're useful or not, because sure. I mean, you're building it, you think it's cool, you think it's gonna work. Yeah, of if, you know, then the market. No, but say. I mean, you've got a, such a cool story, Pavel, and you're working yeah. on so many cool things, and it's awesome, awesome to yeah. meet you yeah. and hear hear everything. Definitely. Thank you, Pavel. Uh, rooting for you. For sure. Thank you for being here. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. Uh, awesome. Excellent. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Freight Caviar Podcast. Uh, hope you got some value out of this. Uh, hopefully got a little bit of a smile or a laugh. And uh, reach out if you ever want to talk to us or uh, share some cool things. Yeah.